Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first ever Matt Madness unsanctioned episode. My name is Ron Pashery, columnist for TJRWrestling.net, and we have our first ever guest, history in the making, Derek McCauley. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining me. It's great to see you. We met at a Mick Foley show at Helium Comedy Club in Philadelphia. Yes, we did. I thought we'd probably never see each other again. And then we and ran into each other. It. Where do we run into each other a second time? Ran into each other again at the Icons of Wrestling Festival. At just the... a couple of months ago in uh, Philly, <laughs> yeah. over at 2300 Arena. <laughs> yeah. Which, by you... the way, you're going to the next one, right? I'll be there, yes, in September. Okay. I'll be there. Yeah. So you'll be there okay, as well? Okay, awesome. Absolutely. All right. So we'll hang out in person again for, for a third time now. And yeah, man. I'm sure we'll see each other doing this more times before then. Um, but... Just to give give people, listeners, viewers, a little introduction to you, something I like to ask everyone is, what is it that made you fall in love with wrestling? What made me fall in love with wrestling? There's so many stereotypical answers to that question. I'm gonna <laughs> try, I'm gonna try to give you the most <laughs> genuine response that I can, without using the buzzwords that come with that. Usually. <laughs> It was larger than life. It was something that when I saw it on the TV, admittedly, I started watching wrestling. I was born in 92, so I started watching in 2006. So, I mean, I was around 14, 15 years old. I wasn't a little kid, per se. I was a preteen going into teenage years. And wrestling, like you were saying, when you were growing up, wasn't so much a thing where it was really cool anymore. It was pretty much coming out of the (laughs) aggressive era, the... uh, the Cena coming up and the Orton coming up evolution, all that stuff. And it was drifting slowly, but surely into what we have today, like it or love it. But (laughs) what I loved about wrestling was that it just, it popped off the screen to me. I appreciated the athleticism and I still appreciate the athleticism that goes into it. The stagecraft of it all, the theatricality. We talked about the fact that it can be almost Shakespearean in the way that people can craft stories. And, and it's interesting because I'm sure just like me, you've read autobiographies about these guys. You've read about the grueling struggle that goes into being an independent wrestler, working your way up to becoming possibly a WWE wrestler, possibly a TNA wrestler, just trying to get it big. It seems to me to mirror the idea of what the American dream is to be (laughs) a a professional wrestler, (laughs) because what you're doing is essentially, I likened uh, indie wrestlers to Bob Dylan before i don't know if we had recorded that part but we did I like not, them, but but i like, I like that point so <laughs> yeah, i liken them the folk singers in a way just because it's people going out there and basically just making a living with what they feel like they should do and giving to the people what they think that they should hear and what they should see they're putting on a show and people either like it or they hate it and if they hate it good you're a heel yeah <laughs> work, work work it make people hate you there's no there's nothing like professional wrestling and that's the thing that draws me to it more than anything and it's the fact that it's not understood by people right by i i love like some wrestling fans hate it when people tell them is oh you know it's fake right it's like, i li- i live <laughs> for I people live to tell you that, that comment. i live for that comment <laughs> just because i love talking to people and not even just going back at them if they're going to be a dick then i'll go back at yeah. them just be like all right well come on dude you, what do you watch like the kardashians or, yeah. Bachelor or something like that it's like that's all real yeah so all real <laughs> yeah some people say the nba is fixed so yeah. i mean who even who even knows at this point I've had but an I argument like talk- with some of my friends recently yeah. <laughs> about the NBA. <laughs> yeah, I mean, good for Cleveland, but still, wow, how? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how did that happen? 
But I live for people to tell me that kind of thing because I like to talk to them and actually explain to them why it's so great and why it's so interesting and just to give it a chance because people blindly point a finger at wrestling fans and say, oh, well, you're too old to like that anymore. You can't watch that. Oh, that's kid stuff. Or that you guy live in your mom's basement. Yeah. yeah, that guy, that guy, exactly. <laughs> that guy didn't hit that guy. That guy didn't do that. When you break it down, and if and a surprising amount of people are actually open to the idea of learning about it and watching it, nine times out of ten, you make believers out of people. Yeah, because it's totally unde- it's undeniable what these guys and gals do when they go out there. They're putting their bodies on the line. Literally, a sig a like simple maneuver, like a scoop slam or an Irish whip, you can get injured permanently from doing just very basic things in professional wrestling. There's a code that you don't hurt the person that you're in the ring with. So once people learn about that, they know that it's a responsibility thing. Mm -hmm. Also, it's not just, Hey, let's put on a show. It's you're literally putting your life in the hands of somebody else that sometimes if you're on the independent circuit, you don't really know them all that well. It could be the first time you ever stepped in a ring. It with could them. be the, could first be the first time, time you ever touched. met. Them. Yeah, yeah. You 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 may have had a conversation with them for twenty minutes, mm-hmm. figure out a couple spots, and then you just get out there and you just see what roles you're going to play, and you just go. But I think to round all this up, because it's been a lengthy answer to a great question. No, no worries about that. I just love everything about professional wrestling. I just, I it's you can tell it kind of just oozes. Yeah. <laughs> out when I speak about it. Yeah. I just can't really put into <laughs> adequate words what it means to me. It's just something that I know will never leave me, mm-hmm. and I'll always enjoy it. Yeah, which is awesome. That's a cool thing, that you could like something at 14, you could like it at 23 as you are now. I liked yeah. it at 7, I like it now at 37. I had a mm-hmm. hiatus there for about 7 or 8 years, but I love it as much as I ever did, even though yeah. some things I may not think were as good. I'm glad you brought up the idea of people saying it's fake because that was actually going to be a question I asked is what do you say to those people? It's like, oh, boy. (laughs) I I just tell people, like, a lot of people recently were going crazy over the movie John Wick. So that would be Uh my go-to. Like, you like the movie John Wick, right? Oh, yeah, John Wick was awesome. Well, you know Keanu Reeves is not really fighting all those guys, shooting all those guys. He was acting like he was doing it. And a lot of times there was probably a stunt double doing that. Whereas these guys are really doing everything they do. They're really putting their bodies on the line, really putting their lives on the line. And they're doing it in front of a live audience. Sometimes almost 100,000 people are watching it live. And that's the other thing because I also compare heavy – I compare it to heavy metal. I don't know if you're a heavy metal fan. I'm not, but I'm I'm curious to hear I grew up with the genre and I was that was like my big thing in high school. Like I, I wore oversized T shirts and went to concerts and you throw up the devil horns and you have a good time out at the shows and stuff. But I liken it to heavy metal because both pro wrestling crowds and heavy metal crowds are largely misunderstood. Unless you're part of it unless you're part of it, you don't really understand it. And to become a part of it, it takes zero effort at all. Just be nice to people and go check out the music. And if you don't like it, that's fine. Just don't be a dick about it, basically. And the same thing goes with wrestling. But for whatever reason, society and just the norm, the normal people kind of just snub their nose at heavy metal because they they look at a mosh pit and they say that's dangerous. People are going to get hurt, even though that there's etiquette that you pick somebody up. 
<laughs> during a mosh pit. You're not going to trample on people. If you trample people, you'll get your ass kicked because yeah. <laughs> you're a dick. <laughs> now, you, you just brought up another dick. point that leads me to something I wanted to bring up as well. So the, the, the second the way, time t- – yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to cut you off really quick. No, and it's fine. so it's so way too late for me to ask this at all. But explicit is fine, right? It's fine, yeah. Whatever, okay. whatever you got to say – Say it's, gotcha. it's, it's unsanctioned, so anything goes. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> Past like the seventh asshole, and like calling a guy d- a dick for like the yeah. sixth time. I figured I'd ask if it was all okay. Yeah, I, don't worry about it. The, <laughs> okay. The thing, yeah, the thing that when we ran into each other that second time, I texted right. you later on that evening. I think it might have even been during the show or after, just saying like how the the wrestling community is a much smaller world than I realized it was. And oh, your, absolutely. Your response to me was. It's better that way. Close knit group of like minded people supporting something they love, which yeah. I thought was a great answer because that's how how I feel about it. Just never put it in those words. There's a lot of talk about the wrestling fan community, you know, diminishing, depleting. Mm-hmm. So, two part question: One, do you prefer it the way it is? With there's these three million people who watch every week. There's, you know, the million people or 500,000 people that watch the other smaller shows every week. Or do you think you like it when 10 million people are watching every week? Second part is, do you think we'll ever get back to that, where it is a mainstream, booming industry? It's not. It's a huge industry. I mean, mean, my thing is, like, when I look at WWE and I look at their network sales and I look at WrestleManias and I see how many people they sell out these giant stadiums, AT&T was questionable, but we'll buy it that they put that many people in that stadium. But just the fact that that many people, like-minded people who buy into suspending disbelief and loving the product as much – and the performers that put it on as much as they do will pay hard-earned money that we both work for and each of those tens of hundreds of thousands of people work for to go and see them like put on what they do. That tells me everything that I need to know. It can be large. It can be small. It doesn't really matter to me what the size of the wrestling community is. We can disagree. We can agree. We can argue. We can fight. We can debate. It's part of the fun of it. That, that's that's part of the fun of it. That's the thing that I enjoy the most of it. I like meeting people with different opinions just as I like meeting people with like-minded opinions. But I, I don't think professional wrestling has ever been more of a mainstream thing than it is right now. Even talking about the WCW and WWE war, like you brought in all those people like Mike Tyson came in for WrestleMania 14, for Michaels leaving when Austin wins the strap and the age of Austin begins. All that stuff is awesome. The rock and wrestling connection with MTV in the 80s with Hogan and Piper and Orndorff (laughs) and Mr. T. Yeah. Like I said, I'm a historian, so I do... Miss Aretha Franklin was there. Aretha Franklin, yeah. (laughs) And then they had her come back for 23. Yeah. Which was crazy because I didn't think Aretha was still alive when they did that. It's a good way to (laughs) find out, though. Yeah, and from the look of her, barely, but yeah. <laughs> I was I was glad she could make it. Yeah. But um, but to answer your question, I mean, it's a it's another really good one. I don't really mind how big the wrestling community gets because, and admittedly, I've fallen into the sand trap of being the smarky know-it-all fan that knows a lot more than the casual guy that yeah. will kind of just be like, hey. 
you're wrong because of this. <laughs> because everybody falls into that every once in a while. Yeah. It's like arguing who your favorite character in the Harry Potter books are exactly. or something like that. It's suspending the disbelief, picking a character that you like, and then arguing against your friends yeah. about it. But what I, what I don't see you doing, there are a lot of people in the, the IWC, Internet Wrestling Community, which has a very negative connotation to it. Mm-hmm. I would like for it not to have like, a negative uh, connotation. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> a lot of people will – what bothers me is just when people basically will try to say, you watch wrestling the wrong way. It's like, no, you just watch it differently than somebody else. I may say you're wrong in Hulu. Well, how do they watch it on Hulu? <laughs> yeah. They may uh, watch it on Hulu. What's, what's, their, uh, what's their preferred subscribe Exactly. Method. They may watch it on YouTube. Maybe they DVR it. I don't know. I know I personally DVR it. I watch it starting at 845. And then I fast forward through commercials and catch up just in time for the last segment. I'll usually I have the Bleacher Report app, and that's come in handy on more than a thousand occasions at this <laughs> point. because you just get busy. There's stuff that's going on, and it doesn't make you any less of a fan if you're not sitting down and watching all eight hours in its entirety with commercial breaks of yeah. SmackDown, Raw, NXT, and whatever else that they throw on the network, and then ROH and all that stuff. It's overwhelming the amount of wrestling that you can watch. It really is. A, and sometimes like, I catch myself feeling like, oh, wow, am I not a hardcore wrestling fan anymore? <laughs> because I, I don't exactly know what happened in the main event yeah. of Raw or I don't know what's going on at that New Japan show mm-hmm. that happened last week because my buddy, uh, my buddy Russ, who you yeah. also met. Great guy. And also, and also, you should have him on for an individual interview. He hasn't been a fan. He's been a fan for about a year and a half. So, he, at this so point. he's new. Did you get him into so, it? So he's new. Uh, I mean, we talked a little bit. I think his reasoning was that he just like started like watching it one day and he really seems to like it yeah and he caught on to liking wrestling like you called on it like seven or eight i called on it like 13 or 14 years old he's 26 yeah. so i mean he, he jumped on like he jumped on super late yeah. to it and now he's just like swimming to find his way back to all this other stuff yeah but like he'll surprise me sometimes like he'll just bring up stuff that like i haven't even thought of and everything like that it's that fresh perspective of somebody yeah. who doesn't have the burden of knowledge yeah, I always so wanted it's, to have Russ really, on. Now I'm even more excited because I didn't know that he was a newer fan that just recently. Oh yeah, man! Like he, yeah, he. Uh, this was his first WrestleMania. That's awesome. So I mean, well, depending on how you look at this year's <laughs> WrestleMania, it was awesome. But it's really cool that he's new yeah. to the fold. Like it's been really interesting having the conversations with him and stuff. Like he's buying the figures. He's got like he posters. Really? <laughs> oh yeah, dude. He's got a poster with uh, the Iron Man match with uh, Michaels and Brett. That's awesome. But but the date is wrong. Is it and really? It, and, and it's really funny just because he had Michaels sign it and Michaels didn't say anything because whatever. Michaels has big line, yeah. nothing to worry about. He's bringing it to the next con for Brett to sign it. And I told him it's like Brett's going to point out he that will. this is wrong. Brett loves <laughs> to like, complain. Yeah, Brett's Brett's gonna point it out, and he's just be like, "I shouldn't really sign this because it's not legitimate." Right? I you have to keep me posted on that because I will love it if Brett. Oh, you'll be oh you'll be there. It. Oh, that's right. You'll okay. be there. So I mean, you could just come with us to the table to Sounds watch good. Brett complain about it. <laughs> to watch Brett refuse to sign it. Yeah, I, I look forward to just talking to Brett and just basically just complaining to each other. I'd like about to be there. I'd like to be a fly on the wall for that as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, next thing I wanted to to find out from you. I feel like I'm not really answering any of these questions. I feel like I'm just, like, saying a bunch of things. So my whole goal with this podcast is not to be regimented. I always want it to just be 
just people talking. If you're listening, you just Off feel like cost. you're sitting around. Yeah, that's how I'd yeah. like it to be. So you're doing perfectly. The next right. thing I wanted to know was, do you have an all-time Mount Rushmore? Like your top four, if you were putting guys on Mount Rushmore, who would they be? See, see that's another one of those classic pro wrestling fans questions. Uh-huh. And I'll go with this. I'm going to give you who should be the Mount Rushmore, and then I'll give you my Mount Rushmore. Perfect. As far as I'm concerned, the Mount Rushmore of professional wrestling is Hulk Hogan, represent, yeah. <laughs> Austin, Austin, Rock, and Cena. Those are the four faces of professional wrestling, and if we're talking about WWE. Right. Like, I don't want to get somebody, like, because I know that you have a pretty legitimate fan base for this. I don't want somebody commenting on it and just being like, well, Okada should be on there. <laughs> <laughs> Or Tanahashi should be on there. Neither one of those guys have ever been brought up on this show. So, so okay, gotcha. Well, now they have. Oh yeah. So, Another so, first. You made history twice tonight. So thanks. So you're welcome for the plug, guys. <laughs> but um, no, if I had to do it, because I think that's a pretty clear cut. Yeah. Not many people would argue, except for Cena, because yeah. everybody loves to argue about John right. Cena. But uh, he's done it longer than the other three ever did, and he's done it more successfully other than maybe Austin, as far as sales are concerned. Yeah, he may not have the universal likability, but he has been at the top forever. And and the only people who don't like John Cena at this point are really just meta. Like, I, re- <laughs> I really think that they're just smarky as hell if they don't like Cena. Like, I understand in the context of the show, yeah. you don't want John Cena to beat Kevin Owens. You don't want him to beat Rollins. You don't want him to, as John Stewart would say, tarnish Ric Flair's right. record of becoming the second 16-time mm-hmm. world champion. But eventually he'll get there. Flair said that he wants him to break it anyway, and I think he should for everything that he's done for the business. He's the greatest philanthropist that's ever come through the halls. He's the greatest businessman. And honestly, he's come through and he is legitimately the face. Like if I had to choose anybody who's ever come through WWE to be the guy, it's like who's who is WWE? It's John Cena. <laughs> I, I can't really argue. I would say Hogan just because like that was my youth. And yeah. to me at the time, it was like everybody in the entire world has to know who Hulk Hogan is. And right. even still, I feel and that everybody way. Everybody did, and everybody did. Yeah. I mean, I'm wearing that right now. <laughs> I appreciate I can't that. Walk, I can't walk down the street without somebody saying something about it, yeah. and it's cool. Just because yeah. at this point, it's become a nostalgia act where mm-hmm. it's just like, even though Hogan's been in the press for some questionable stuff lately, yeah. it's still largely remembered as, oh yeah, brother, Hulkamania's running wild. Yeah. It's and every, and everybody and everybody's a kid again taking their vitamins and saying their prayers. <laughs> I like and they that dig. now. Now, who would your personal Mount Rushmore be? My personal Mount Rushmore, you already brought him up. My favorite professional wrestler of all time, the Heartbreak Kid, the Showstopper, Mr. WrestleMania. completely agree there. (laughs) Shawn Michaels has to be on the list. He's the greatest worker to ever grace a professional wrestling ring. He could do catch-as-catch-can, as JR would call it. (laughs) He could do mat wrestling. Mm -hmm. He can do high spots. He can do anything. He can be a great entertainer. He has the flamboyant costumes and everything, and... The biggest thing about Michaels is he was also a reclamation project, and I respect the way that he came back right. from where he was before mm-hmm. and came back even better. He, he was had, even he had better. like two distinct careers almost. He wrestled a top ten match, arguably, that I've ever seen ever in my time of watching wrestling and top five of his career in jeans. <laughs> SummerSlam 02, was yeah. that? Yeah, that's that's all you need to know about yeah. Shawn Michaels. Right. The dude... The dude rocked it in khakis, so I mean, it's fine. 
Yeah. Number two, I'm going to save my controversial emphasis on controversial and heartfelt pick okay. for the last face on this Mount Rushmore. Go but Mike Michaels would be first. My second one would be Taker out of respect for what he's done for the business and just what he's done in his time being there, becoming the greatest character yeah. to ever grace professional wrestling and the medium of entertainment. I mean, he's one of the greatest characters to ever grace any form of entertainment. A guy that literally shows up as a dead guy in Survivor <laughs> Series in 91, and people are just like, this thing's done yeah. within a year. There's no way this guy's going to last, but he reinvents himself and reinvents himself. American Badass, some people give him crap for that. I still liked American Badass. Maybe minus the Limp Biscuit song. Yeah. but the everything one else. Well, they were WWE's favorite band. Yeah. <laughs> to their credit. They said it themselves at WrestleMania. But <laughs> but Taker definitely has to be on there for everything that he did, even with the streak ending. He's he's definitely up there. Anybody who says no to that, I just I question. Yeah, he's great. Number number three would be Austin. The greatest the biggest draw to ever come through professional wrestling other than maybe Andre the Giant, but we can't really estimate the figures, the money. They didn't really have a tire because kids can't wear an Andre the Giant singlet. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, I mean, for what it's worth, Austin was the Attitude Era. Sure, you had DX and you had The Rock and everything that came after it and before it, but Austin is the guy that people will bring up other than maybe John Cena or Hulk Hogan when you talk about professional wrestling because Rock's in Hollywood now. Rock is known as Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He's not known as The Rock anymore. People will call him that, but they don't think of him as a wrestler anymore. Mm -hmm. He shows up as a Hollywood superstar to WrestleMania. He's getting a star on Hollywood Boulevard or whatever, right? And he deserves it. Yeah, he He deserves Yeah, for the Scorpion King alone. He deserves it. (laughs) I, I vividly but. remember seeing that in theaters. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it's but, uh, fine. I didn't go there by choice. A, g- a girl dragged me there, and so what, it was for fun. the Rock. Yeah. <laughs> for the people's strudel. Exactly. That's the exact gotcha. reason why. <laughs> now who's and the then controversial? My, pick? And then my fourth pick. Well, controversy was his name. Controversy was his game. <laughs> this guy brought it to the ring. He had the best, in my opinion, talk shows to ever grace of professional wrestling ring and he left us unfortunately very recently it is the hot rod that's a good rowdy, one. Roddy, piper. <laughs> rowdy roddy piper is my favorite next to and this is a very close race he's number one as my favorite heel of all time number two is very close it's rick rude oh rick rude, rick rude is number two rick rude's number two because rick rude not to get away from hot rod real quick mm-hmm. but i always i always mark over rick rude even though unfortunately he's passed now yeah because he is literally the definition of what I think of when I close my eyes and think of a heel. <laughs> what guy would I hate yeah. to run to or talk to or breathe the same air <laughs> of? This is a dude whose body was immaculate. He had Bobby holding his yeah. <laughs> hold the robe and everything. He would put people's faces on his ass, on his mm-hmm. trunks. He would airbrush, <laughs> he airbrush Jake the Snake's wife's face on his crotch before they were in a feud with each other. And before the match, with all of that still rolled together, the cherry on top was the fact that he would make your girlfriend or your wife want to bang him. <laughs> and they could, and they couldn't even deny it. Like, oh, you just, fat, lazy, <laughs> out of shape. 
he would say it's like all your women want a taste of my luscious lips yeah. it's just like that's probably true for about like 80 percent of the women that were in yeah. the arenas when that dude took his robe off that is uh yeah unbelievably heelish yeah like he was he was a crossover like we talk about the reality era and stuff today he was a reality era act he was a guy that legitimately was hated because that's who he was. Yeah. <laughs> but legitimately, everything he said, he didn't tell a lie. He was like George Washington. Yeah. If, if he said if he said that your woman wanted to kiss him, she wanted to kiss him. Yeah. <laughs> if he said he was going to beat somebody and then he was going to put his wife's face on his crotch, he was going to do that. Yeah. And he did numerous times. Oh, he absolutely did. <laughs> but going back to my actual pick, because again, I could talk about Rick Rude for a while. The hot rod is, and I'm going to sound like punk when I say this, just because because punk always brings up Piper as the guy that kind of got him into it with like the coconut and all that Mm -hmm. crap. Piper is not the biggest guy. He's not the strongest guy. He's got the loudest mouth. Yeah. I can relate to that. I'm somebody (laughs) who likes to talk. I'm somebody who enjoys getting under people's skin I like pissing people off sometimes, <laughs> and I really like just seeing what people are made of in conversations and just situations like that. Not to fight anybody, but no. just just needle people enough yeah. just to see <laughs> see what see how much it takes to get to them. And when I look at professional wrestling, and when I look at the characters that have evolved and came before them over the years, I see myself in Hot Rod. I kind of empathize with him as a character that I could see myself very much portraying <laughs> if that were the situation. Yeah. He worked great as babyface. He great worked great as a heel. He provided countless memories. The backstage brawl with Gold Dust yeah. being one of them with the OJ Simpson Bronco <laughs> chase included. Yeah. You have that. You have Morton Downey Jr. where he puts out the cigarette with uh, the fire extinguisher. <laughs> He has he's just as well known for his personality behind the scenes and in his talk show segments and everything like that as he is known for being fantastic in the ring. Yeah. His match with Brett and I believe was seven for the IC belt. Is that seven about or, right? Seven or eight. I don't want people to crucify me again, so <laughs> it's either seven or eight. When they have the roll up finish in the corner. Yeah. They had recently done it for Joe and Balor at uh the latest takeover special mm-hmm. and people popped because it was the Brett versus Piper <laughs> finish. Just stellar track record. Didn't have to hold a lot of belts. He held his own against anybody that was in the ring with him. And he just really, he felt so down the earth and so real that I couldn't help but love the hot rod. Yeah. So you brought up how he was an inspiration to CM Punk. Uh-huh. CM Punk has become pretty divisive and controversial in okay. the wrestling community. I'd say so. I'm pretty sure, though, that you are on the pro side of CM Punk. Yeah, I mean, my thing is, I was, I actually went back and forth as to whether I was going to wear this shirt, the uh, best in the world white <laughs> punk the shirt. Ring, the Ringer t-shirt? Oh, yeah. I almost yeah, wore that because you were going to be on. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Yeah, dude, that's... Uh, that's one of the best shirts that they ever put out. Just such cool Chicago flag with the mm-hmm. fist and the lightning yeah. bolt and everything. So cool. But uh, my opinion on Punk has never wavered. It's always been the same. He's one of the best talents to ever come through the door and one of the saddest talents to ever see go back out. Yeah. 
he was so talented. He was a five tool. If you were going to scout him for sports, he would be the five tool blue chip prospect that you would want on your team. Yeah. Does he have an attitude issue sometimes? Sure. Can he be a bit of a dick? Absolutely. <laughs> but is he honest and is he one of the greatest professional wrestlers on the planet today still, even though he's going into UFC? I'd like to think so. Yeah. In his short tenure and his even shorter run on top, he produced more great matches than I would say most of the champions did prior to him in the past half a decade. Probably. He made it must-see television. The pipe bomb brought people back <laughs> to professional wrestling. Him versus Daniel Bryan at Over the Limit in 2012. Him versus Daniel Bryan again with AJ Lee, his future wife. Yeah. Wink, wink. <laughs> with him at No Way Out. He did out. well for himself there. He did very well for himself. He also slept with Beth Phoenix, apparently, who was Edge's wife. Wow. <laughs> he also slept with Maria Kanellis, who's Mike Bennett's wife. <laughs> wow. See, if you believe the dirt, know about. Yeah, if you believe the stories, Maria, Beth Phoenix, AJ, he marries, um, Lita. So he got around a little bit. He he got around. He did well for himself. <laughs> for being such a dick that everybody talks about, he did pretty well for himself. But, you well, know. Who's not, though? Like, when you get to that level, who's got the perfect choir boy attitude when they get oh, to the no. top of pro wrestling? There's nobody. No, I mean, nobody has the perfect choir boy attitude. I think the reason Punk had as many issues as he did as we delve into the CM Punk, just <laughs> ball, the ball pit that never ends. The reason that it was an issue for him, I feel like, is because he values blunt honesty, just very upfront. Yeah. If you tell him that he has to do something, he'll do it, but tell him why yeah. he has to do it. Give him a reason. Why is this going to be good TV? Why is this going to put butts in seats? How much does he have to pull on it? How much does the other guy have to work for it? Mm -hmm. There's that classic thing on the on the Colt Cabana interviews, the now infamous yeah. podcast where he talks about how he left, where he he says, he's just like Vince would tell him over and over again. So like, oh, I'm going to owe you one, pal. I'm going to owe you one. And like at one point, I think he's just like, well, you owe me like five. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so at what point am I going to get these back? Are they going to yeah. be like bonds that I put in the bank or something? Like, am I, do I get time off? I think he got burnt out trying to be everything that he said that he is. Mm. Trying to be the best in the world. Trying to be the guy that drew money for the company but also boosted his own stock and the guy in the ring with him's stock. And he realized that the company wasn't operated like that. Yeah. anymore he wanted to be the harley race champion he wanted to be and this is his words not just mine he yeah. wanted to be the dusty Rhodes, the bruno san martino the rick flair carries the big gold belt around every territory and wrestles for an hour because mm -hmm. he did that in the independence yeah and he would have done that if given the opportunity for wwe but given commercials and the fact that it's now publicly traded on the stock mm -hmm. market you can't do that. Yeah, totally different time. Pro wrestling. I, I just think that he was a great talent out of his time. If he, if, he had, if he had come in the late 80s, early 90s, something like that, even earlier than that, he would have probably thrived in like the 70s. Yeah, he like could have thrived any, any time period, I think. Yeah, he just, he just has a very fuck you attitude. <laughs> towards people and i think that's probably what ended up severing the ties between him and the company and him and a lot of people apparently yeah, yeah a lot of people now i wanted to ask you this earlier but i forgot who are maybe your a handful of your favorites working right now 
Well, I'll give you my favorite right off the bat because okay. he's always brought up, and this isn't a very flattering picture, but <laughs> he's brought up as my doppelganger pretty often if I grow up my beard and I, and I wear a cabbie hat as such, but my favorite Sammy. Sammy good, Zane is by choice. far my favorite on the roster just because I fell in love with watching Sammy in the ring because when I was watching him in NXT, when he was doing those feuds where he had with Owens, he had with Neville, which Neville versus Zayn for the belt, in my opinion, is still the best NXT title match I've seen. It was incredible. It's, it still has yet to be topped because while you have the Joe versus Balor steel cage match, you have all the blood, you have all the crazy stuff that comes with all the matches Balor had and all the matches that Owens had, nothing had that just raw emotion that Zayn beating Neville at, on like the fourth try where he mm-hmm. says, I'm done. Yeah. I'm not doing it anymore. I quit. It's like, I'm taking that title or I'm done. And you knew that he was going to win, but still because he loses so much, you had that belief in the back of your head where it's just like, maybe he won't. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe his, maybe his contract isn't getting picked up or something. Yeah. Maybe something's wrong. Maybe he's injured. Mm-hmm. Like Z- Sammy gives me that awesome feeling that is so rare in professional wrestling where I don't really have to suspend disbelief all that much. I just straight up believe that he's not going to win a match. <laughs> so so when he wins, it's the biggest high in the world. Yeah. Like when when he inevitably in my opinion I think he's going to get an IC title match coming up in the near future, possibly at SummerSlam. A lot of people are forecasting that that could be a thing. I think he's going to win that belt. If he gets a chance at Miz one on one, and I'll pop. That'll that'll be my big moment of the night. Like you could have all the other matches. My big thing will be Sammy. My guy has the belt now, because he just makes you want to believe it. You, it makes you want to believe in him. And it's like hard him not and, to believe in him. Like and the, he's a yeah. Oh, one sorry. of the biggest. No, it's fine. One of the biggest compliments I have for him is that he was a masked wrestler for how long? And for who, the majority of his entire run. Yeah, and who emotes more with his face in the company Sammy. than Sami Zayn? Like, to me, that's amazing that you could be cover your face for your whole career and then be the most vocal, the most facially expressive person in the business, yeah. probably. <laughs> I mean, him, ironically, the two emo- most emotive guys, like facially speaking, in the company are the guys that are in that feud that's destined to last until they die <laughs> and that's him and owens yeah him and owens are unmatched in my opinion as far as their facial facial features in the ring their pain their joy owens is fantastic as the predator mm-hmm. <laughs> and and he can also just switch from predator to oh well that's that's not what i meant yeah. that's I, I didn't i didn't do that it's just like why are you attacking me yeah type thing just on a dime good at playing both sides so it's no it's no surprise that my other guy that I'll bring up is Owens. I'm a huge Kevin Owens fan of I love Rollins. I love all three members of the Shield, even though Boo, it's <laughs> it, it's inappropriate or it's not okay or I'm a, not a wrestling fan if I like Roman Reigns. I like Roman a lot. I, I'll be honest with you, I like Roman a lot, partially because of the Piper slash punk attitude I have towards the people who hate where it's just like, well, fuck you. I'm going to cheer them really loud. now." (laughs) Part of it started out as trolling those people and it's evolved into this guy's legitimately really good. Now, why do you still hate him? Is it the cool thing? Like it was with Cena for the longest time and still is to a degree where it's like pop culture. There's Cena sucks shirts that get sold that are branded by WWE. Is that what the future holds for Roman Reigns? 
it, it just bothers me just because he put on such great matches. He got a fantastic last man standing match at a big show mm-hmm. last year. That was a he great a, match. Yeah. He had a great feud with Bray Wyatt mm-hmm. over him not winning the Money in the Bank briefcase. Right. They tried to pull every opportunity, pulled the rug out from under him every chance that they could possibly get. But people just refused to get on with the guy, and I just don't understand. He's gotten better on the mic. His last promo before unfortunately getting popped for uh, – <laughs> His whatever performance it was, enhancing, yeah. or whatever it was, I won't say that it was performance enhancing drugs, but yeah. whatever it was, he got popped for it. His last in ring promo before going into Money in the Bank to defend his belt was great. There was real emotion to it. There was real. I'm gonna beat you. They're gonna call me the guy not just because I have this, but because I beat you. Yeah, which was he had unbelievable. Good, yeah, he had good lines. It was stuff delivered by any other person on the roster would have been looked at as like, did you see that promo yeah. that guy just, just cut in the ring? But because it's Roman, it was four out of 10. Yeah. Yeah. Was, people, people don't 10. give him credit. No, I had been talking about this for months. That, yeah. The, that the stuff that people said they didn't like him for, he was slowly growing out of a lot of that stuff, but then people mm-hmm. still didn't want to give him credit. I don't know if it's just that, People know too much now, and they didn't yeah. want to. They couldn't buy into the idea that he. Well, they the think underdog. they know too much. Yeah, they didn't. They yeah. couldn't buy into the idea that he's the underdog. It's like, well, he's Vince's guy, so right. clearly he's not the underdog. But it's like, if and you're even a if wrestling, he, even fan, if he even fit, even if he is Vince's is Vince's guy, who cares? Yeah. You cheered Austin. Did you really right. think Austin hated Vince McMahon <laughs> the entire time that he was? Wait, beating that him wasn't up? real. No, I hate to break it to you. That that wasn't a real thing. Him and Vince are on good terms and have been for a really long time. Do you really think The Rock wasn't the chosen guy? Yeah. You booed him when he was the corporate champion, but you really think that Rock honestly isn't on good terms with Vince right. McMahon or wasn't chosen almost immediately out of the University of Miami in uh, Canadian football? to be the next guy to come in and work for them. Hulk Hogan, same thing. But you don't hear that for any of those guys. Mm -hmm. You just hear it now for Cena, which is old hat, and now Reigns, who's being kind of knighted as the new, let's boo the shit out of this guy for no apparent reason other than just it's really fun to do. Right. So one of my last questions is... Oh, we're already coming up on the last question? This is not the last one. We're we're getting towards the end. Okay. Roman Reigns. Follow me out. Yeah, no, no, no. Roman Reigns, when he comes back, uh-huh. do you think he's going to get booed more than ever the way I think he is? Oh, he's he's still going to get booed. They're going to boo him out of the building. The difference with him coming back from this is, and it's interesting because I listened to a couple of minutes of your last podcast before I came on here just to kind of refresh to what yeah. you guys had already covered. You guys discussed the fact that this is the first time that they've actually made a public announcement yeah. of a guy, a top guy, getting busted for failing the drug test, whether whether it was PEDs or whatever it was, busted. They literally showed his tweet on the mm-hmm. Titantron to start Raw <laughs> and let Rollins shoot on yeah. it for a while. <laughs> and it was great. It was really cool reality-bending type television. But I think the reason that they did that is because I honestly believe that he's going to come back as a heel. And it sounds naive because so many people have said that exact same sentence, mm-hmm. but I truly believe that the table was set for it because first off, I don't know why they're still promoting it as a triple threat. 
at Battlegrounds just because Reigns is not going to be back from his suspension until three days before Battleground. I guess they don't care at all that he's not going to be part of the build (laughs) to this match. I guess just being Roman Reigns is enough (laughs) and and being in the shield like those other two guys were, that makes it enough. For me, that's lazy. I don't really like that idea. I would have rather because I don't think I think it's too big of a match to have it this lackluster C-level pay-per-view anyway, as much as they want to hype it up. I would much rather have them pull Reigns from the match and have it be Ambrose versus Rollins for the belt. Ambrose goes over clean if you want. Ambrose can beat him, and then either after the match or during the match, Roman comes out and spears the ever-loving shit out of (laughs) Dean Ambrose. Just lays him out, puts the boots to him, classic heel work, grabs the belt. It's like, you didting take this from me, basically. Standing Standing over his friend and saying that because the last image that we saw of Roman Reigns on WWE television was getting planted with an exclamation point with a dirty deeds, double arm DDT from his friend, Dean Ambrose. Now we know Ambrose is a wild card, but realistically speaking, Roman's pissed. Yeah. Roman, Roman, I could 100% believe would come interrupt that match and spear the ever loving shit out of (laughs) Dean Ambrose. And that would end the match. And Rollins could be on the ramp laughing yeah. about it. Now, like, I, think, I can see it. Do you, so do you think this then leads would lead to the triple threat, or do you think that would lead to a Dean-Roman program if you're booking it? That would lead to the triple threat because I think Roman reasserts himself and reasserts himself as a heel in the program. So it's two heels versus a baby face. Ambrose has to play survival of the fittest basically in that triple threat. And he's basically fending off his former friend who now hates his guts and Rollins, who's just the smarmy heel that he is. (laughs) And it makes for great television. It great makes for great traditional professional wrestling booking. If you're looking at it in that respect. And when Ambrose retains at SummerSlam, it's a big pop for him because he overcame not one, but two big heels and his shield brethren to basically become top dog yeah. of that three-headed unit that they had. I just think that that's the best way to go about doing it. Obviously, everybody's going to have their opinion of what's best for business, but I truly believe that that would be a smart way to go about doing it, going into SummerSlam, just because I don't want to see that match, because that's a big match. Like in a in a time where the big matches, according to Vince, are like Goldberg versus Lesnar two. <laughs> this is a big match for modern wrestling. Yeah. For the current roster, that's the money match. A triple threat between all three members of the Shield, legitimately with a clean finish. That has to be at SummerSlam. People have been waiting for it for how long? Yeah. There's people haven't been waiting for Battleground. Yeah. <laughs> they've been, they've been waiting for SummerSlam the second biggest show of the year that's where you showcase that yeah i i kind of agree with that like on one hand i have a problem sometimes with them always putting things on the back burner like sasha banks isn't on tv for three months because right we're saving her for SummerSlam. i heard but very I do think different reports on that that the, troubled that troubled me the the daniel bryan comparison i assume is one uh, yeah, I mean, if we're discussing the fact that Vince apparently thinks that she might be snake bit, she might be injury yeah. prone, she might not be as durable 
as they would like her to be. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, if you think that, why is she on the latest Muscle and Fitness first <laughs> magazine cover? It's like, why is this non-durable woman on this magazine cover? Yeah. I, I, I'm not worried about it anymore, but I legitimately was following WrestleMania when we didn't see her. At all, all and I know that, and I know that you're a huge, very big Sasha fan. Banks fan. So obviously, I know that you were super salty about the fact that she wasn't around. I'm a Becky Lynch fan. I love personally. her too. Becky, did you see her photo shoot in Hawaii? I by saw the, way? the um. There was like a short clip somebody put on Twitter that I saw. I haven't seen the photos yet, but oh my god, it, it was good. Oh my god! <laughs> From what amazing. I saw, it was good. I love that woman. No, no reason not but, to put it over here, right here, right now. It, it looked good from what I could see. Nah, she, she's awesome. Yeah. But uh, another great baby face, pure baby face within the company. Her, Sammy, and Bailey mm-hmm. would be the three like white meat, perfect baby face. Yeah. Characters that they have right now. But um, yeah, I was worried about Sasha. I really was. I thought that she should have won the belt at WrestleMania. So that was a bummer. She wore the Eddie tights, mm-hmm. which really made me think that she was going to yeah, win at WrestleMania. She did the frog splash. Did the frog splash. Almost broke Charlotte's leg. Yeah. <laughs> and that's and and that's and I'm not even a Charlotte hater. Like I like Charlotte a lot. I like her even more now that she's not with Rick. Yeah. Dana Brooke doesn't have to be there. But right. the entire reason that Dana's there is because Emma got hurt and they just don't want to awkwardly send her away, I guess. Yeah. It's that's it's the only reasoning of, I can think of. No, that is the only reason. It's a case of, well, she's here, we have to do something. So let's yeah. just do this, which is always pretty much the worst thing you could do to somebody. Yeah. Just throw them in something with no no forethought. Basically. Unfortunately, it happens to a lot of people that come up from NXT. And not everybody's Dusty Rhodes and not everybody can pull off polka dots. Yeah, yeah most people it, cannot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the phrase that I use when somebody, when a talent is thrown into something that is just preposterous and could never work ever. They're throwing them in the polka dots. Yeah, it's a good way to put it because he was the only guy who could have gotten that over. Nobody I can't else. Think of anybody else who could have done it? Literal, literally, no one else could have made that an okay thing. Yeah, to just I come always, out. yeah, the polka dots always give me the image in my head of him wearing the police hat. And oh the yeah, nightstick with the nightstick. Yeah, on the stage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, with with his with his American Dream body. Yes. And, <laughs> yeah, and just the, wearing like this weird singlet. Yes, the body that everybody in America dreams of having. Of course. <laughs> Son of a plumber. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, now, so Roman, do you think him being heel will ultimately be what can turn people on to him again? Because I don't don't see any way for them to do it without doing it. I think people will turn to enjoy Roman for the same reasons, and and this is a much shorter fuse on this, because obviously the fuse for John Cena to turn heel has been burning in people's brains since, I don't know, he debuted. (laughs) So, So, I mean... It's kind of the smaller scale version of how I feel people will respond to a Cena heel turn. All the women and children and kids in general would hate the fact that Roman is a heel now and all of the smarky, like, middle-aged dude (laughs) or my-age type fans would love it. And me being a Roman fan already, I'd be on board with it because I think it would be really cool and I think he does need to change a character. But I like Roman regardless. I think that it will help him catch on with his very vocal majority that boo the shit out of him. Yeah, I completely agree with that because 
it's in WWE you tend to just do a lot better when you're a heel. Right. Being a babyface, I feel like you're you're so confined in what you can mm-hmm. say and do, and when you're a heel, it's almost like you can you like can come up for breath. Yeah. Like what what got the new day over when they were trying to be heels, not right. when they were supposed to be the inspirational guys that they were forced to be. When they got right. to just be themselves, people fell in love with them. I mm-hmm. feel like same thing with The Rock. He's he's actually brought up Punk as a uh, like the five tool blue chip guy. The Rock was the first guy I remember being called a blue chipper. Yep, like that's JR. how he was. Yeah, that's how he was introduced. Was he as he is, as he was Rocky Maivia? Yeah, and yep. people hated him. Then he got to be a heel, and then he got to be very entertaining, and then people liked him. You know what's funny? Because and I'm not by any means looking to kind of crap on the talent that I'm about to bring up. Yeah. Because I, I, when I say this, I don't think that he has the charisma that The Rock had and has because nobody else on the planet arguably does yeah. within him to get over like a character like that. But Rocky Maivia is Apollo Cruz. Oh, that's a good one too because he's kind of being presented that's, in the same way. That's who he is. He's Rocky Maivia right smiling now. Smiling all the time. And it's I call him Smiling Apollo. <laughs> it's Smiling Apollo Cruz. He comes out and he wins some matches and darn it if he loses that yeah. match he's still smiling <laughs> when it's over because he's just so happy to be there. Yeah. And he's and he's going to go and drink a big glass of milk backstage. <laughs> it's like he he's just like I talked about how Sammy and Bailey and Becky are great classic white meat baby faces and they're over because people want to see them win desperately they want to see nothing but good things happen to them apollo doesn't have that same aspect yet because he doesn't have a character yeah you never apollo cruz apollo cruz is what you would get if you had a weird love child of shelton benjamin <laughs> like the athleticism like the high spots of shelton benjamin and the body of bobby lashley yeah if you put the two of them together, you get Apollo Cruz, and Apollo Cruz, from my opinion, is a greater athlete than either one of them, and that's saying a lot. Mm-hmm. Considering yeah, work-wise, Sh- he's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, but he's a blast. There's nothing about him that hooks you. And no. isn't that the point of NXT? Is like you you get it, you find a character down there, and then the well, character and gets over, and then they and call that's you up. The <laughs> Yeah, that's what the awkward thing about Apollo coming up was. Nobody fucking thought that was a good idea. <laughs> like, like, like when he showed up at the Raw after Mania, I was just like, "Really? We're, we're bringing him up already?" Mm-hmm. It's like he hasn't had any defining feuds at all in NXT. He really didn't do anything in NXT. And again, it's not a slight on him. It's just there was nothing for him to do yeah. at the time. I'm pretty sure when he debuted, he was coming off of that lackluster squash program with the drifter, yeah. Elias Sampson, <laughs> who has yet to who literally is living up to his name right now, the drifter. <laughs> nobody knows where the hell he is. Yeah. He's not on TV because his character sucked. <laughs> and he has just, finally drifted away like the fans told him to do during every match. Just a tumbleweed. Just yeah. Gone. <laughs> But that was when he debuted. It was like, because I saw him show up, and I was like, hopefully somebody yeah. writing for the main roster developed a character for this guy because he never had one in the whatever it was, six, eight months he was yep. on NXT, and he still does not have one. And it's nope. it's just not going to go well for him, unfortunately. I, I think what they're trying to do, and it's really awkward that they're trying to do this, 
they're trying to give him it's ironic because I'm actually rewatching Money in the Bank right now and it's in the middle it's in the middle of the Apollo Cruz and Sheamus match right now and he's smiling but it's <laughs> ever smiling always smiling gets hit right in the teeth smiling what's weird about it is I really think that they're trying to get him over by just putting him over former world champions so he's just going to beat Sheamus and then he's going to beat a bunch of other people who have held a belt at high prestige at some point in their career, even if that person is basically a glorified jobber yeah. at this point of their career. No disrespect to Sheamus, yeah. but we know we know what it is. Right. His 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 title reign was surely for just reigns when he had it for those three months. I think what they're trying to do is basically just get him over by just having him beat people, but they're not letting him talk at all. So I think just his actions, they're trying to have speak louder than the words that they're not allowing him to speak. Do you think they are and have have they at all in the time he's been up? I mean, I would imagine, I would hope that they at least gave the guy a mic and was just, or they're giving him like mic tests before Raw goes on or SmackDown goes on or in NXT, they had done some kind of promo work with him shortly where they found out what his niche was. Because there's no way you can tell me as great an athlete as he is, he can't speak at all. Yeah. There's there's something inside of anybody that you can bring a character out and you can just evoke that in front of a crowd of people right. and talk to people. I think Apollo has that within him. It's just one of those things where it's just like he's literally not had an interview segment in months. Mm-hmm. To my knowledge, he might have. Somebody might type up on this in a comment thread and just be like, oh, well, he was on the show three weeks ago. (laughs) Yeah, but that's the point. I don't remember it because Mm -hmm. it was either really short, he got interrupted Mm -hmm. before he could say anything at all, or what he did say was raw, which is totally understandable because he's not getting the talk. (laughs) He's not getting the repetitions to to build that up. Yeah, if you want to work a muscle, if you want to get – yourself if you want to work a muscle you work repetitions yeah and you work at it and you work at it and you work at it and you get in good shape over time from doing that his mic still skills are doing nothing but atrophying yeah in the time that he's not using any of them so i can't understand why they would possibly think or if they do think this that he's just magically going to be great at promos in a couple of months or something when they haven't given him any opportunity to do it or prove himself did you watch the Breaking Ground series from yes. last year? So, do you remember Months when, ago, so hang with me. Yeah, do you remember when they showed Scott Hall at the Performance Center? And yes. Scott Hall came in, they had him watching the promo class. Is this when he talks to Baron Corbin? He talked to him, and then he talked to Apollo. Yeah. And I think, I can't remember if it was Regal, it might have been Triple H, but I they asked uh, Scott Hall... Can you, can you talk to this guy, meaning Apollo Crews? And after his promo, he said to him, he said, is that how you really talk? And he was like, he was kind of like, what do you mean? He said, that doesn't seem like how a real person would talk. It'll never get over. <laughs> so to me, Scott Hall walks right in there, sees this guy and sees, like, you're not, you're not a believable character. You're like, right. you're being a disingenuous character. Pointed right. out in 10 seconds, he saw him talk and he knew it. Mm-hmm. And... You would think if Scott Hall walks in there one day, sees that immediately, makes a comment, somebody would have been working with him on doing this, and they clearly right. have not done it. And if they and if they have, they're clearly not working towards anything yeah. with it. They're they're just gonna let him continue to just beat either former world champions or just work his way up to the ladder, 
But realistically, I mean, if we're being honest with ourselves in a smarky moment of talking about the business, his ceiling is relatively low. His ceiling is he's going to be a multiple time IC champion, US champion, maybe a tag champion at some point with somebody like Neville or something. That would be a cool flippy mm-hmm. tag team. Yeah. Not to use not to use cornet terms. <laughs> but um Yeah, his his ceiling's not very high and they're lowering it seemingly even lower by not allowing him to even try to yeah. be a character. So this But I be, like Apollo. I yeah, me me too. I think he, like I said, he's fun to watch and he's got a ton of ability. He just hasn't gotten to be a fully fleshed out, like pro wrestling character and hopefully he gets the chance to do that sometime in the next year which leads me into the next thing i wanted to discuss the brand split oh boy so two two questions one i just kind of want your general thoughts on the brand split what you'd like to see happen and second part is kind of who do you think stands to benefit the most from the brand split I think in general, I think the roster in general and the company in general benefit from a brown from a brand split again, especially now that you have SmackDown coming over and it's going to be live on Tuesdays on USA. You have both SmackDown and Raw under that same USA Network umbrella, both of them going on live. It works better. Like after the Monday Night Wars ended with WCW and stuff, it was great when they created that competition within and amongst themselves. Like when I came into watching wrestling in 2006, I remember watching the Survivor Series where they would have Team SmackDown versus Team Raw and really enjoying it. Like really enjoying that. Not quite to the point where it got to like the, oh, we're going to have the bragging rights pay-per-view. Like bragging rights was always a shitty pay-per-view. Like. I, I don't know if you were a fan of it, but I was no. not a fan. It's That's like when they started making it the TLC pay-per-view and the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, and every gimmick is a pay-per-view now. It, it just started to annoy me. But yeah. I think everybody benefits from it, especially because now that you have this new crop of talent, and I use new in a sort of newish way, yeah. in a sort of not really newish way, because, I mean, the average age of the incoming talent's like 35. Yeah. But still... You have this influx of great independent talent and fresh matchups all across the board. You have a real opportunity here to make two great programs. If they shorten both of them to two hours, I'll be in heaven. Yeah. If Raw doesn't have to be three hours anymore and they split up the roster, that's the perfect situation I could possibly ask for. Uh, I'm totally with you. I wish Raw would go back to two hours because as much as I enjoy it, they're it's a not, logistical nightmare. Yeah, and there's not they're not doing things that are enjoyable all the way through. Like there's definitely parts second, where you're just like, oh my god. Or there's some the second nights hour of Raw is tough. <laughs> like real tough. <laughs> so you like, just want to you just want to cut the middle out and then put the first and sec first and third hours together. <laughs> Absolutely. And and by cutting the roster you enable them to do that right. if they so choose. If Because the argument has always been whenever they talk about it, whenever Triple H or Stephanie or even Vince, whenever he decides to come out and talk about some stuff, the argument has always been there's so many guys, how are we going to get them on TV? First off, you don't get them on TV anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Most of these guys still aren't getting on TV yeah. anyway, so don't give me that. And second off, okay, if you're going to do the brand split, you have no reason not to shorten it back to two hours now. Yeah. 
sure it's publicly traded and sure you have your shareholders and stuff that want to like milk it for all the revenue they can get out of the company but still from an entertainment perspective there's no way they could possibly think three hour roll is working um yeah no i mean they get advertising no dollars way. i guess but you see it that and adam sometimes... rose gets plug sonic yeah you see though that... oh, my bad. not adam rose but... <laughs> i know what you mean though yeah there's a lot of times you asked him adam rose is dead did you well, hear that no, I didn't, but he did say Apparently. that. Apparently. Yeah, he tweeted that out. Is that Adam Rose is dead? Really? So what? what is he now? Is he just Ray LePan? Oh, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Do you, I he know is, you... He's the oldest free agent yeah. <laughs> professional wrestling. I think he's like 39 or something like is that. Is he that old? I th- he's pretty old. So Vin, I know he was on Vince Russo, Vince Russo's podcast. I didn't listen to it. Um, yeah. I was kind of curious. That. Yeah. I, that would... <laughs> I was kind of curious to hear what he had to say, but I didn't listen to it. Um, yeah, I can't listen to Russo in general, so I usually just try to not. <laughs> I do. I listen to him not often, but from time yep. to time, just to get like if I'm trying to write something. Sometimes I may be like running short on ideas. I'm like, oh, listen, let me listen to Vince Russo. He'll say something that pisses right. me off and gets me something to write about. And there's some points he makes that I do agree with. But there's a, a a lot of him that's just hating for no other reason than just to hate on something. Yeah, and he's and he's just the definition of the guy that just wants to make the quick buck. Yeah, he wants to he wants to make everything just happen immediately, or he wants to swerve the audience and make it something that nobody will possibly understand because you can't understand it because it's so dumb. Right. <laughs> like that's that's how you get to a point where you have on a major wrestling program a Judy Bagwell. <laughs> on a forklift match. That's how, that's how you get to that point. <laughs> that that five star classic. <laughs> that classic Matt wrestling match. Yeah. The so nobody my, will forget that. Yeah. My other question about the brand split, and I've discussed it a lot with other friends I know that watch wrestling. Are you right. a proponent of two world titles or one world title that travels show to show? Uh, are you asking me my personal opinion, personal or what, opinion. or or what they're definitely gonna do? No, what what you would what you'd rather see them do? What what is your opinion of for what's best? Okay, I like the classic approach of having a rotating world champion. That would be my approach for it, just because I think the best case scenario is as devalued as both of those belts that are sitting right behind you uh-huh. are right now, <laughs> the Intercontinental Belt and the U.S. Title Belt are as. Uh, matched up to the world title that's yeah. slightly above your head. <laughs> you can literally have the world title still be the major championship. You can have your champion rotate as if it was the territory system back in the day, going back to the thing I said about Punk. And you can have that being held in even higher regard because that guy's going everywhere and defending it. He could defend it on house shows, on either SmackDown or Raw. He could defend it on a SmackDown pay-per-view and a Raw pay-per-view. Meanwhile, the IC title and the U.S. title on each respective show, IC title probably to roll U.S. to SmackDown the way that it was before, those will be looked at as the major titles on each brand in the interim. Yeah. So basically you would by proxy create the former identity of both titles <laughs> or so the IC title as the title that elevates you to the world title. Right. I mean, old school terminology, old school ways, you already know this, but for anybody else listening, I mean, when you won the IC belt, it was looked at in the eyes of the fans and most of the guys backstage that 
you were the guy. Yeah. You were about to move up. The IC title was the worker's belt, mm-hmm. but it was also for the guy who was looked at as a future world champion. Yeah. You could make both of those secondary belts that title for each of those shows, and then eventually one of those titles is stripped from that guy or he loses it, but he goes on to a program with the rotating world champion and he beats that guy and then he becomes the rotating world champion. I like that idea more just because I think it breathes fresh air into it because realistically what we're doing right now with the brand split is we are going back to exactly what it was in 2006 2005 2004 when i started watching wrestling that's exactly what the brand split was it was you had your big gold nwa style rick flair championship on smackdown the wwe title was on raw ic is on raw us is on smackdown smackdown i think had its own tag team champions raw has its own and it was just uniform straight down the line if you're gonna go back to something that was already an idea from the past at least do something a little different this time it's the new the new era, right? Yeah. So why not do something a little bit new? Try something a little bit different. Don't do the same thing you did starting 12, 14 years ago, whatever year it was that the, the brand split started the first time. And the, yeah, and the irony of the breathing new idea into it is you'd really be breathing a little bit of what made old school wrestling great into yeah. it is the fact that you have a champion who's not – absent like we're not talking about brock lesnar not being there for (laughs) six or seven months out of his world title reign and it's still counting (laughs) we're not talking about dean ambrose not defending the u.s title for like 300 days (laughs) we're talking about a champion that's going to be on both shows almost every week rotating in and out and he's going to have title matches on both of those shows and on their respective Mm pay-per-views he also gets like, the idea of being the champion has always been viewed as a responsibility. If you have that title, you have a responsibility now to the company. Like, you're you're carrying us now. Yeah. It gives it puts that responsibility on the guy's shoulder. If you say Roman Reigns is the guy, uh-huh. prove it prove to it. us by making him carry both shows in a way. And exactly. then when Seth Rollins is a champion, now he has the responsibility of both shows. Um. The next thing then is like as you said before we even got into this, what what do you think I want them to do, or what do you what do you want me to talk about? What we both know they're going to do, so we know there's oh, yeah. going to be two world titles. Now do the you, question is, is it going to be the NWA championship, the big gold belt, or is it going to be some new concoction that they come up with and call it the World Heavyweight Championship? Yeah, so that was my question. What would you rather see? Sorry, a new belt. Or, <laughs> that's fine. You, you're we're we're thinking alike. Do you want to see a new belt, or do you want to see the big gold come back? What would be your preference? Um, I mean, I'm going to go with I want something new, just because they're talking about a new era. They're talking about new things, new talent fluctuating in. The brand split, it's a fresh idea, but it's not. You're splitting up the belts. If you're going to give me a second belt, which I clearly just said that I don't want, (laughs) and I think we agree on that sentiment. I just I want something that doesn't look exactly like I went back in time to 2006. Like, just give me some give me something new. You just gave the women's division a great new belt, which is essentially just a super cool red and white version of Mm -hmm. your world championship. Apparently on dot com, they stripped the world heavyweight 
championship portion of the WWE World Heavyweight Championship from Dean Ambrose's title. Okay. Formally. So formally on the website, he is the WWE champion, meaning that the World Heavyweight Championship is coming back. It just we don't know which. Yeah, and what incarnation is, is it going back. to be? Or is it a new incarnation? Yeah. Is it a completely new creation? Because usually to make a new belt in wrestling, a big superstar either has to show up and unveil it mm-hmm. and make it new. A heel alters it. Or a babyface just t- turns it into something for just himself. Yeah. The key examples being Cena takes the old school belt that he won from JBL and makes it the spinner belt. Mm-hmm. Depending on people's views on that, that happens. Then Edge and The Miz, each in their own way, just pervert that belt. Yeah. Miz turns it upside down, and then Edge has the rated R spinner mm-hmm. belt. And the latest belt is just – it was created for The Rock. Yeah. The, late, the latest belt was literally brought in after The Rock beat Cena and – I mean after he beat Punk. Right. And that was his belt. Yeah, and then they did the update of the logo. They did the Forever logo as opposed to the yep. Scratch logo. But yeah. Yeah, and they had, and they had a big unveiling for it even though it really doesn't look like that much changed at all. Yeah, it's oh. almost identical. <laughs> I guess they just unveiled it because – Yep. It was the network logo, which they wanted to get out there as much as possible, and it was Brock Lesnar, who biggest, yeah. biggest star, biggest draw. I Why guess. not have yeah. Brock out there for some reason? Yeah. So, and I think they added like some red to the faceplate or something. Not quite as much as uh, the divas. Yeah, as the, the, the red underline. Belt. Yeah, the red underline. As like I just small champion. little aesthetic things were mm-hmm. different, but it was the same belt. Yeah, I do love the new women's belt. Yeah. So, my feeling on what they should do with the women, at least to start, I pretty I'm much talking know. About if the brand split, yes, I pretty I much know Raw is going to be three hours. I, I can't see them not do not can't see them not staying three hours. I prefer it, but I think it'll stay that way. I would uh, like to see the women stay on Raw exclusively, for the sole reason that while there's a, a lot of talent that they have women wise in WWE and NXT. You they can't not, spread. No, they haven't done enough with anybody. They haven't built anybody up enough. Nope. To go to the other to the other show and then you split them up. I feel like you build them up on Raw. You have the extra hour. Raw is going to be looked at at least initially as the superior show. So you as give it them always that rub. has been. Yeah, you give them that yeah. rub that they're on the the A show, and right. then once you've kind of built them up a little bit, then maybe you could split them, because the the the, the counterpoint to me has always been. Well, they're, they're promoting the women now, and then that's one whole show that you you don't have women on. So right. they're not going to do it. Now, so do you agree with that sentiment? Do you think they should be split up? Do you think it should be gradual? I tend to agree more with your point on it just because I think, yeah, you could say, oh, they're not on both shows. They should be pushing the women. If they were on both shows, I, don't, I would argue that that doesn't give them that much more exposure anyway. I mean, I think that we're putting a few too many eggs in the live SmackDown basket before it even pops. Like, I think that it's going to be a big deal, but realistically, Raw's never going to take a backseat to SmackDown. I'm pretty sure the only time that it ever took a backseat was during that era where Rock, uh, Angle, Mysterio, uh, Cena was on it, Taker was on it, and Paul Heyman had the book. Yeah. That was pretty much the only time where SmackDown was even marginally looked at as close to Raw. Vince will never allow Raw to fall behind that. (laughs) And if they're going to push women, I would rather them do it on Raw just because it is 
regardless of what people believe, not that it's a team SmackDown type mm. thing. Raw's the flagship program. It was the first to arrive. SmackDown was created because Rock had a really cool catchphrase mm-hmm. and they wanted a second show. Yeah. So it happened and it's never not going to be the number one show. If you're going to show the women and showcase them to the world, that's the place to do it. And I have no qualms with them doing it and having the entire female roster on Raw for that very same purpose. I don't want Charlotte rotating like the world champion just because, like you said, the talent roster for the females is way too thin. You're not going to be able you're not going to be able to sell me on SmackDown that Naomi's working her way up to be able become a title contender. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to sell it to me that Dana Brooke is going to be a title <laughs> contender anytime soon. Even yeah. if she turn even if she turns on Charlotte after all this bad treatment that she's had for her, she's going to disappear into obscurity. She's not going to be a title contender. Right. It's it's just the fact. The only title contenders that are in the women's division right now are Sasha Page is the outlier mm-hmm. who will continuously just be thrown in there for things because, oh, look, she beat Charlotte twice yeah. <laughs> in a month. I guess we should give her a title match overall yeah. <laughs> and then totally blow it. Mm-hmm. And then Becky. And then when Bailey comes up, they'll have five. But so, realistically, and Natalia gets thrown in there because she's the – it's sad because I love Natalia, but she's the elder stateswoman mm-hmm. of the women's division. She's the awesome worker – but she's her days of holding a title are way gone. So you you predict then that she will never have it again. Yeah, Natalia will never have the belt again. I think we could probably both agree Sasha Banks will be holding that title after SummerSlam. After SummerSlam, yep. Hopefully, they, yeah. Hopefully they give her an extended reign with it. And well, they've done well for Charlotte. They have. So this is actually I was not. Again, didn't dislike Charlotte, but I was obviously a huge Sasha Mark, as you know. Right. And so it made, gave me a little bit of resentment towards Charlotte because I always knew, like... That's good, though. You're supposed to not like Exactly. And, but I always knew it's like they're always going to go to Charlotte. It's the glory of being a heel. Yeah. Everything I, you do, if it gets people to dislike <laughs> you, even if it's not something that you meant to do, it's still fine. Yeah, and they ran with that because they tried oh, yeah. to make her a baby face and it was not working. And they allowed her to start slowly working into a heel in towards the Royal Rumble. Then she's a full-fledged oh. heel. And she's just been getting better almost on a weekly basis. And then she heel. randomly kicks her father to the curb yeah. for reasons that make almost no sense uh-huh. at all. I didn't <laughs> mind the fact – I want to touch on that for a second because that was one of the more awkward moments of my time watching wrestling. <laughs> Because first off, I can no matter how smarmy Rick has been throughout his career of just being a just a healed dirtiest player in the game, all that stuff. I I feel so bad for the guy every time that he starts crying on camera. Like he has he has such an ability to make me just be like, Rick, just like it's it's not even like at first it was like, dude, this is pathetic. Just like cover your eyes, don't don't cry like that. This is sad. But he looks like he's chopping onions like every moment <laughs> when he's in the ring there. Like when she's like hitting them and stuff. I was like, no, don't, no, don't, hit, don't hit Rick. What are you doing? Well, yeah, now he he's old. Yeah, now you he's know? old. He's frail. It's just like don't, don't hit your father like that. He can still but take a decent bump nowhere. though. But the problem was she came out of nowhere to do it. Like it, it made almost as little sense for her to kick Rick to the curb as it did for Rollins to turn on the shield mm-hmm. when he did. Because you're coming off of your big win against Evolution, and then you're just going to turn on the shield yeah. out of nowhere. It's just like, oh, well, this is my time now. And obviously it totally worked out. 
but looking back hindsight's 2020 that could have failed so hard for the way that that worked and the same thing with the charlotte thing if charlotte didn't grow like you said into the capable heel on the mic and in the ring that she is now that could have been a terrible terrible misplay to have her just kick rick to the curb yeah so abruptly like that (laughs) and now just have dana be there yeah that's like dana's dana's just there charlotte is fantastic dana is just there and i liked dana like in nxt i thought she was improving i thought she was kind of funny and Uh but it was all based on her whole thing with her and emma's partnership it was like a good duo she comes up i was like "Eh, i don't know if she's ready she was out all that time with the injury now mm-hmm. she's on the main roster, similar to Apollo Crews, and it's like she has no character. It's just like, ah, eh, you just go tag along with Charlotte because Emma's not here anymore. Makes yeah, no basically. sense. And she's being really handcuffed by it. And I think it's probably going to hurt her in the long run because as much as WWE likes to tell us, like when a lot of people complain about, well, why is Raw not as good as NXT? And WWE will tell you, well, NXT is a very specific audience. Our whole audience doesn't like that product. Right. But then they bring people up from NXT and act like everybody's going to know who they were. Right. When most of the audience, per them, does not know who these people are. They so won't, they're not the good fail. with giving people vignettes. They're not with, good with giving people the promos that they used to do. They don't give people lead-ins yeah. to talent coming up anymore. And sometimes, sometimes that's okay. They they went on that string of time where the U.S. Open Challenge was the hottest thing yeah. in professional wrestling right. when Cena had the belt. It was a perfect opportunity where you didn't need to hype Sami Zayn or Kevin Owens showing up. You could just have them be there, and it was a huge monumental <laughs> wrestling moment, whether it was casual fans or smarks. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who it was you marked out yeah. that that guy was there. When Owens flattens him. <laughs> with the pop-up powerbomb and just steps on the belt and holds it over him when he was still NXT champion. It's just images that are ingrained in your head that are great, and they didn't need any build-up. They could just be spur of the moment. Bret Hart introduces Sami Zayn in the match oh, that un- that unfortunately he gets injured and he's out for a really long time for yeah. afterwards. But no, they just they don't hype up guys and girls the way that they used to in the way that they still should because exactly what you just said they talk out of both sides of their mouth sometimes <laughs> yeah it's like oh it's a niche product down there and triple h is looking over it and everybody's just really we're a bunch of marks down there in nxt we just really love professional wrestling and we're gonna call it professional wrestling and women are women not divas and yeah <laughs> and we have all this stuff down there and everybody's clamoring for that and somehow they don't put two and two together and realize like hey we should just do that <laughs> all the time now <laughs> yeah or we should enter like we build these characters in nxt and we should realize since it is a niche product quote unquote most of our audience is not going to know who these people are they're not going to know their backstory so we should fill people in on who they are like you said right. u.s open challenge great because anybody could show up that was kind of the fun of it, is you didn't know right. it was going to come out. And it was almost it was almost like number 30 in the Royal Rumble was coming out every week yeah. on Rumble. <laughs> just had no idea it. who the hell it was going to be. It was just like, oh, this week it's Kane. Yeah. And then next week it's, oh, my God, it's Kevin Owens. And everybody's freaking out over it. Sometimes yeah. you get Kane. Sometimes you get something cool. Sorry. 
<laughs> Sorry, Kate. Oh. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, but he's held on a little too long. Uh, yeah. Um, next well, he question. Has, he has a career in politics or mortgages or whatever the hell it was. Yeah, he'll be fine without pro wrestling. Yeah. He's not going to need to be doing appearances and signing autographs forever. He'll be just fine when he yeah, decides I think to move Yeah, I think on. he'll be good. Yeah. He's an elder statesman at this point. <laughs> yeah. Do you think when SmackDown finally debuts live on Tuesday night, July 19th, and moving forward, do you think we will get two very distinctly different types of shows? Or do you think it will basically be what we the see on Raw, we'll see on SmackDown the next night? I think it's actually going to be different. And it might just me being optimistic about the entire thing, but I honestly believe that they are buying into this idea of the new era, that they're just throwing out hashtags for left and right. Yeah. I really believe that they're going to do different things on each show because why else would you split up the roster between two different shows? SmackDown, essentially for the past two, three, four years of his existence, has just been a glorified episode of Main Event. Yeah. Where you just where you just have like two or three, maybe four matches. You have minor plot details get sorted out between rivals. You set up a Raw match that's way more important, yeah. clearly. <laughs> and then you show Raw recaps of what happens on Raw earlier in the week. Mm-hmm. Now, sure, you could have the turnaround Raw recaps, but it's not Thursday or Friday Night SmackDown anymore. It's Tuesday Night SmackDown. It's live. They're putting production dollars into this. I truly believe that they're going to have two very distinct programs with two very distinct rosters of talent on it. And I think it's going to be really fun to watch. I do too. So this leads to another thing. I know you like the Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens. They're destined to fight forever. Uh Do you see them ending up on the same show or do you see them going their separate ways after their match at Battleground? I think it would be wise to pull them apart, to be honest with you, now. And this is coming from somebody who obviously enjoys every war that they go into. They're having yet another one at Battleground, and it's the only time that I'll use the phrase yet another in Uh not a, oh, wow, just let it end kind of way. They can literally, to quote the crowd from NXT Dallas, (laughs) they could fight forever. And literally, I would be totally okay with it because every time that they go to war, it's entertaining. Yeah. There's never a time where I won't want to watch a Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens match. And the ones that Sami wins, once again, like I said earlier, you pop because it's just like, holy crap, he actually beat Owens. Because Owens beats him <laughs> almost every single time without yeah. fail. He beats him every time. Right. But Sami just keeps coming back and coming <laughs> back and coming back. And you want to see him win. And eventually but he will. And eventually he will. And eventually he will triumph over Owens and eventually we'll see a lot of different things with that dynamic because I think eventually they can become friends again yeah. on television and that'll be a big pop too because it'll just be like oh well Sammy's getting beaten down by somebody and then <laughs> the unlikeliest of all people comes down and pulls him off whether it's for like whether it's for his own personal gain or whatever maybe he wants to get a jump on this guy because he's his rival when he's beating up Sammy he just happens to be beating him up he pulls him away and then they have like a weird look in yeah. the ring is just like KO just like kicks him in the gut anyway and just walks out of the ring. <laughs> just plant the seeds like small things like that. It's just like, oh, I think they're going to be friends again. Yeah. So my, my last thing on the brand split and then go on, we'll go on to, I will probably be the last topic. But uh-huh. with 
SmackDown, you know, we have three hours of Raw on Monday. Uh Two hours of live SmackDown on Tuesday. Week of a pay-per-view, we will have, you know, three to four hours on Sunday, three hours Monday, two hours Tuesday. A SummerSlam weekend. A day off on Wednesday. It's like a job, really. You're working. It's shift work. Yeah. But uh, it's a labor of love, but... Are they running the risk of running us ragged, do you think? Uh, I think that's a very real possibility for some fans. I mean, me personally, I think, and you, I mean, we talked about the facts that, like, I'll catch up on Bleacher Report if I don't get to watch Raw live. If I have to wake up for work in the morning or something, I'll just skip Raw. I'll wake up in the morning, and as I'm having, like, breakfast or something, I'll just look over somebody's review of each segment of Raw. I look at the same thing for SmackDown if I can't watch SmackDown live. But uh, and NXT, the same thing. I don't miss pay-per-views. That's the one thing that obviously it's like the campfire. Everybody yeah. will sit down regardless <laughs> regardless of how far they've strayed throughout the entire month. Everybody will get together and plop down to watch the pay-per-view and just fill themselves in on whatever is going on leading yeah. up to it. Yeah. But uh, for certain fans and certain demographics and the fan base, I believe that that could possibly be an issue because that's a lot of programming. A lot. <laughs> A lot of program. That's that is on a pay per view week. That is eight hours of live wrestling programming in a three day span. And SummerSlam weekend, you have, you have NXT on Saturday as well. Yep. So that's so you 11. got yeah. <laughs> that's a is lot. NXT three hours? Yeah, they're like two, like two and fifteen. I think the last couple have been. Yeah, so you're looking we'll at like eleven and a half, ten and a half hours. Like ten and a half to eleven hours of live wrestling on SummerSlam weekend, back to back to back to back to back. Yeah, it's a lot. I, it's I, it's a ton. <laughs> and wrestling podcasts, I think, are going to suffer for it because you, you'd assume SmackDown mostly has been. Now you'll talk about it a little bit here and there. Now it's a full other show that you now. This have is to the cover. yeah. I would wager a bet to say this is the most anybody's talked about SmackDown on a wrestling podcast <laughs> in a while. <laughs> probably. And now yeah. on July 19th, it's going to be probably half the show almost on every yeah, I mean, podcast. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. I mean, they couldn't have possibly charted this out to be a more monumental, important first episode of the live rebranding of SmackDown. Yeah. You have to watch it to see how the role how the draft plays out. Yeah. You literally, that's, that's the selling point. You watch it for that. Some people will be like, Oh, SmackDown's live now. It's just like, you're watching it for the draft. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're watching it for the draft. And it it is, which is a good, it's, it's must see. And I actually read an article before I came on here that was saying that they have styles versus Cena booked for live SmackDown, which I don't know how that's going to work out because I hate when they give away matches like that for free. Yeah. Even if it is to boost a new show or the new version of a show. Yeah. And apparently they have a dark match for the people that are going to be there. And that's uh, Ambrose versus Rollins. So that's four of the absolute biggest names in the business. Wrestling. That all allegedly will be on SmackDown. On live SmackDown. One of them will be the dark match. The other one will probably make air. And the, I'm assuming they're going to do it the way that they did with uh, the old school WWE draft. And by old school, I mean like 2006 version. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because when they would have the matches and whoever wins, they uh, they would have like a pick or something like that. Yeah. 
like so, going forward, they would probably do it that way because I just realized that would mean that they would have to be SmackDown and Raw superstars yeah. to do it. Oh yeah, already. Yeah, I, th- I feel like they're trying to do it like a legitimate like NFL draft style thing, and I think it's going to be really cool. So do I. I would like to see them have a live ticker on the NFL Network or uh, the <laughs> WWE Network. See, that's see, that's how I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it how the NFL Network would cover it. Right. Just have like the live ticker. It's like end in the who gives a shit rounds. Yeah. Like round eight, <laughs> Bo Dallas goes to SmackDown or something. It's just yeah. like oh crap, here we go because nobody gives a shit to watch Bo <laughs> get so drafted to SmackDown. Yeah, that's smart for a couple reasons. One. If they have a ticker going on, if you tune in late or whatever, you can see, you can get caught up on, because I've done that before where I've been out and I get home and watch the NFL draft. I don't know who the first eight picks are or whatever. And I'm just sitting there waiting to see those first eight tick by. Yeah, and they just keep rotating it. Yeah. Um, I just think that would be a really good idea. It is, and I hope that they're thinking of it in that sense too, that like the draft is an event in the NBA, (laughs) NFL, People watch, People go to bars to watch it on TV. You go over yeah. to friends' houses to watch it on TV. It's something people like. It's to arguably, see. yeah. It's arguably, especially for something like the NBA or the NFL, because MLB and the NHL drafts don't really compare yeah. at all to either of those other two. The NBA and the NFL draft are arguably the second biggest nights of the year for both of those <laughs> sports next to Game Seven yeah. <laughs> of the NBA Finals uh, and the Super Bowl. Yeah. That's that's the biggest night. Yeah, everybody's tuning in specifically to watch that because everybody's got a stake in it. You know, if you have a favorite team, your team's involved. The playoffs, your team's not always involved. Monday Night Football, 99% of the time your team's not involved. So exactly. the draft, everybody's favorite team has a stake in that event. So I think it is a great way to kick it off. They were smart to not do it beforehand. Uh-huh. So I think it was a brilliant move on their part. And they're not known for their brilliant moves. No, not lately. <laughs> but here's here's something interesting that comes up when we talk about the draft and more specifically the date of the draft, July 19th. Now, my big question, the thing that's been circulating with me and my friends about it is who – is anybody going to get called up during the draft? And if so, who's getting called up and where are they going? Yeah. You were, you were asking me the questions. I'm going to ask you a question because <laughs> I think there's a strong, strong possibility that we get multiple call-ups from NXT in this draft. Live television, live SmackDown on Tuesday, first time ever. It's too monumental of an occasion. It'll have the feel and look of a roll after WrestleMania mm-hmm. type of thing. I feel like they're salivating at the opportunity to bring some people on. Yeah. Are you going to ask me, are you asking me, do I think they will or who do I think they will? Do you think that they will? And if you do think that they will, who do you think could get brought up? I think they definitely will. Now, who is a much harder question because they do still have to promote NXT as a touring brand with people who will, with performers who will draw a crowd. Uh-huh. I, but I do feel like as much as Finn Balor is a draw for NXT, if you're going to bring him up, I feel like that kind of has to be the time. Now, 
I may be proven wrong, obviously, in less than three weeks. I don't know about Samoa Joe. He's the champion. I feel like he uh-huh. deserves to be on one of the main rosters. The guy's been, as somebody who didn't watch TNA, watched very little Ring of Honor until recently, Samoa Joe has been like a revelation to me in the last year. I yeah, he's, he's done. Incredible. He's been fantastic. Incredible as a he. I mean, he was a great when he came in. He was a babyface character. Great. I didn't worker. like babyface Joe all that much. I liked his work, but babyface Joe, the hey, what's going on, yeah. man? <laughs> I, I wasn't a fan of it just because I could see straight through it. Yeah, it was like the Scott Hall thing to a lesser degree when you were talking about with Apollo, where it's just yeah. like, come on, dude, that's not you. Yeah, it's not you. It's just like, look at you. You're a tank. You're a Samoan <laughs> tank. You can literally run through whoever's champion and just take the belt whenever you want. Yeah. Just do that. Just be yeah. that guy. We don't have to wrap around this whole thing of you and Finn winning the tag tournament thing for Dusty, even though you're one of three non-tag teams that was actually in the tag team yeah. tournament. Yeah, exactly. So Joe had a similar – I had like a similar evolution with Samoa Joe as I did with Charlotte where – she was a baby face when she first gets to the main roster, and I'm like, she's really good, but I'm not, I'm not invested one way or the other. Joe, yeah. same way. I'm like, this guy is really good, mm-hmm. but I didn't have, you know, he didn't get his hooks in me. And then the the slow turn as he became, you know, a little bit more of a heel and then a monster heel, I yeah. started to be like, I love this guy. I can't get enough of him. And uh-huh. that's what's happened to me over this time. I do think he deserves to be on one of the main rosters. I'd assume Nakamura is probably going to stay in NXT for a while. I assume Asuka and mm-hmm. Bailey. I don't. I don't know. I feel like how how is Bailey not going to get called up? But she's got more work to do in NXT still. Uh huh. But I think it'll be I, a handful yeah. of NXT talent that gets brought up. Well, all the names that you just brought up, with the exception. With the exception of Joe, I think all of them have a real possibility of getting called up. I would say Nakamura is going to stick around a little bit longer, but not too much longer. I mean, he's too he's too big of a talent to keep down there for any length of time, realistically. I think the big money match that they're going to get out of him, one of many, one of them being Zayn versus Nakamura, the next one being two weeks from now, him versus Balor, ironically, right before the draft. Yeah. I think I think that's going to be Balor's swan song in NXT. They're going to send them out to, with a loss to Shinsuke the same way that they did to Sammy, <laughs> where, they, where they send him up there too. And if they play it really meta, they could have Nakamura be the guy that's just knocking people out of this brand. Yeah. Like basically just, be, just being like, just being just like, I've climbed the ladder. I've gotten to you and I've knocked these people. They won't even show their face here yeah. anymore. That's, that's, a, that's a good story. And they could do it with any number of, of people. Yeah. Well, and they have the ready-made thing already. I mean, Nakamura even said it and he, he's never a guy that I'll say is like, his promos are amazing, mm-hmm. but for a guy who's coming over from Japan, his English is good. He articulates well. But the key thing about him is I've heard him described as the Japanese Freddie Mercury. <laughs> yeah. And it's and it could not be a more apt <laughs> comparison between yeah. him and another phenomenal once-in-a-lifetime entertainer. The guy oozes charisma. Like he has – like he's like Japanese rock. Like he's yeah. just insanely charismatic, doesn't need to say much of anything, and he's automatically – when that entrance goes on, when the music hits and he comes out and does all that, 
my friend Ryan told me, it was just like, who could beat that guy? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, honestly, just looking at him come down the ring, it's just like, who do you believe could honestly get in the ring and beat that guy? Now, obviously, being a wrestling fan, we know that he's been beaten before. Yeah. He's not undefeated <laughs> in his career. This isn't Andre the Giant versus Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania three. Mm-hmm. But you ha- he has this air of unbeatability around him just such a charisma that he doesn't even need to speak and it's just right there yeah. in your face yeah very few like, people that could that can pull that off where just on site they capture your attention oh absolutely i mean he's he's literally like i became a big fan of shinsuke nakamura as soon as he came out for his entrance yeah that was that that's all it took uh-huh. like literally i i i obviously knew what he could do in the ring from all the other videos i've seen but his entrance is just it that's all you need you're not the first person th- i've heard say that either and then he's one of the top five top 10 best wrestlers in the world to boot mm-hmm. who can beat that guy yeah <laughs> the question has yet to be answered because nobody seems to be able to beat him in nxt he took out the heart and soul of nxt mm-hmm. Sami Zayn. He's about to beat the demon yeah. in Finn Balor, and Nakamura even said it. You're the icon I, of NXT. I, I, you're the icon. I want to be the champion. Mm-hmm. To get to the next rung, I have to beat the icon. So he beats him. That's how he climbs up the ladder and faces Joe in Brooklyn. That's their money match at Brooklyn. Yeah, it's a huge Nakam- match. Nakamura Joe is huge on so many levels, not just WWE or NXT, just professional wrestling lore mm-hmm. in general, independence all the way up to the top of Titan Towers. <laughs> I think that is where Nakamura gets his first loss. Now, where I where I pointed this out to my buddy the other night was Hideo Itami's back. Apparently, he's going to be rejoining the roster relatively soon. Mm-hmm. If they decide not to follow up on the, oh, he got attacked from behind thing yeah. and stoppable because, A, it was kind of dumb mm-hmm. because it was clearly to write off from an injury. Yeah. And B, because most of the people that were there are gone by this point. Yeah. <laughs> the only one around there would be Finn. And I would think that he would be gone by then anyway. Right. I could see Itami reinserting himself into the main event picture immediately by costing Nakamura his first match in NXT. So you think that's how he gets his reintroduction to NXT? I wouldn't I wouldn't put money on it. I'm just saying for my dollar, the thing that would make me freak out as a wrestling fan and would be the biggest way to reinsert him immediately into relevance would be to cost a seemingly unstoppable, unbeatable Shinsuke Nakamura, <laughs> the title and his undefeated streak in NXT. And then you get a Japanese dream match yeah. of Tommy and Nakamura. It's a good way to bring him back too, after being gone for so long. Yeah, because he, right I, into a huge... I like a Tommy a lot. Yeah, he's great. And he's, he's missed. You like it. Sometimes you almost forget. Because it really, it's been well over a year. Oh yeah, I think since you've seen him. Well, because what he had, I'm trying. I think it was a shoulder injury mm-hmm. or something. But the prognosis for it, like the ETA, was he was only going to be out a couple of months. Yeah. And he had some inflammation of it, or had some kind of issue with it, and ended up having to get another surgery, 
And ipso facto, here we are. <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing pictures of him coming back. He's tweeting that he's back. And it feels like a ghost yeah. has reappeared. Right. Because he's been around. He's been away for so long at this point that most people, like people legitimately were telling me that they think that he's just going to get cut because he had been that mm-hmm. far gone. That, I mean, that would have been a shame because that would have been a big awful. deal. Yeah, it was a big deal when he came. He was doing great work up until he got hurt. And then for uh-huh. that to happen at that point, that would have been a shame. But I'm glad that he finally is on the road back. And I would yeah. love that if that was, if that was just, the way they reintroduced him. Just please. Please, <laughs> WWE. Please. <laughs> let him use the GTS. Please just let him use the GTS. I don't want him beating anybody else again ever with the shotgun kick. I don't want people losing the stand-up drop kicks to the face. Yeah. If that were the case, Kofi Kingston would be undefeated. <laughs> We can't have we can't have this. So do you think they will let him do it, or do you think he will never get to do it again? Let him do the GTS. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see no reason why he can't do it. Honestly, I mean, why are they freaked out that much by the memory of Punk? Even though he's not a memory, he's very much a still reality. I believe they are that freaked out by it. It just, it just makes no sense to me. I know, but I, that's how they operate. I don't know why they do it. Why you would be that freaked out about it. Atami made the move. He took it from Atami. <laughs> so, 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 so the originator of the move can't use his own move because another guy used it to great degree in fanfare in that company. And left on it, bad terms, and now they have to erase him from existence. It's, but they never will. No, all, not, not to yeah. the fans, but they'll never talk about him. They'll never mention him. They'll never mention AJ Lee again. I no. would like to see him get to do it. I hope that cooler heads prevail in that situation, but I don't Dude, know if they will. Be, there would be nothing bigger than the pop. <laughs> like if you want to get a Tommy over real quick on coming back, you have him cost Nakamura that match. And then you just nail him with the GTS <laughs> and just leave him laying in the middle of the ring. And you just stand over him. Yeah. That crowd and that's, would the, way, be and that's the way that Brooklyn ends. Oh my God. I'm going to be at Brooklyn, and I would lose my voice <laughs> from yelling so loud if that's the way that it ended. That would be incredible, and I hope I hope that you're right. One, that that's how they decide to reintroduce him, and I hope that that's the way it gets to finish. Now, the last topic of conversation I wanted to get to, I know you are an avid reviewer of pay-per-views. I am. I've read your reviews I, on I know Facebook. that you appreciate my work. I do. I, I think you do a really good job running down each match. As a legitimate columnist, I appreciate your opinion. Yeah, I, I really enjoy them. I look forward to them. So I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit to close here. I want to know what do you think has been the best pay-per-view of the year and what has been the match of the year to date? Oh, okay. Give me one second yes. here. Because <laughs> I, act- I actually have a thing on my notepad. Oh, of- do you really? <laughs> I have my short list of match of the year candidates <laughs> on my uh, on my notepad. But uh, if I had to pick pay per view of the year, if we're are we counting NXT shows or not? Yeah, you can. You can count anything. Okay, I mean, I mean NXT Takeover Dallas is clearly the show of the year so far. If we're doing WWE show of the year, I love Payback. I, I would probably go Payback, uh, just for the sheer facts that there wasn't a bad match on the card. The main event of Reigns versus Styles, the first one, I thought eclipsed the second one even yeah. though the second one was good at extreme rules payback was just raw 
it was just a great match between two guys that really wanted to win that belt and just two conflicting styles. And that's on my short list of match of the year candidates and payback. I wrote in my review is the greatest secondary show that they have. There's literally not one B show that I would promote payback to an A show. It legitimately is that good every single year, every year since they started it, I believe in 2012 or 2013, payback's been great the first payback was in chicago the second one was also in chicago and the first one was when punk came back yeah from losing to taker and then he comes back with the chicago blackhawks gear (laughs) and stuff like that and he has that uh he has that awesome chicago street fight yeah with jericho because at that point in time for whatever reason whenever punk came back they decided that the best in the world crown was somehow still hanging in the balance <laughs> even though punk won every single time they yeah. fought each other <laughs> so take but payback would, payback would be my wwe okay. choice nxt choice even though they're under the same umbrella mm-hmm. they're treated as different right nxt Super dallas nxt takeover dallas is the best show of the year so far the match of the year list that i have I you don't have, have Bailey give me on. just one if you don't want to. You give me a okay. couple. Uh, I mean, there's only five, which actually, in my opinion, is a little much mm-hmm. because I, I like to I like to be selective on it. But yeah. uh, Bailey Asuka from Takeover Dallas because I fucking loved mm-hmm. the way that that match finished because you just don't see even in a even in a guy versus guy a male match you don't see somebody pass out that often anymore unless it's like a gimmicky thing that oh they're gonna come back and they're just gonna win the next time they come out like cena passed out in the accolade Mm -hmm. i think a year or two ago when he was feuding with rusev leading up to wrestlemania i think it was at like fast lane or something yeah yeah he had another like just throw it in there type (laughs) show he passes out in the accolade because you know that cena's gonna win the belt at wrestlemania you just knew that it was gonna happen so they had to make rusev look like an absolute monster Mm -hmm. so they did that this had the air this had a totally different feel to it this had the air of finality yeah to and you don't see that kind of physicality and that kind of storytelling in a women's match that often and this is where the women's revolution the hashtag and all that stuff make women's wrestling relevant again it's never been more relevant than in that match between Bailey and Oscar, Bailey versus Sasha, both of those matches, fantastic. The Iron Woman match, Brooklyn last year, Oscar versus Bailey was the best story that I've seen in a women's match recently. Just because you had the valiant champion that everybody loves, you have the extremely dangerous exotic challenger mm-hmm. who everybody is afraid of slash really likes, yeah, because they're not sure what to make of her. Right. And it's basically just two people that you really don't want to see lose going against each other. One of them's undefeated killing machine. The other one is lovable, huggable mm-hmm. champion. And to have that lovable, huggable champion pass out in a violent submission hold like that to end the match, not tap out, go Austin from yeah. maybe 13 <laughs> on him, minus the blood. Mm-hmm. It was perfect. It was the perfect way to encapsulate everything the Bailey character is. Extremely tough, hard as nails, likes everybody, hugs everybody, really in tune with the fan base and people love her, but she's tough as fuck. Yeah. Underneath all of it and resilient. And then you have this unstoppable, monstrous killing machine. 
in Asuka, who's not even a bad person. Yeah. She's just really <laughs> fucking badass. Uh-huh. It's like if the chick from Kill Bill showed up and beat up <laughs> yeah. Bailey. And like, Bailey, like that. we saw yeah. her journey to the title. And then we uh-huh. saw her grow from becoming the champion to being the dominant champion she was for eight or nine months, whatever it was. Exactly. And then she comes up against Asuka and was no match. It's well, and that, Yeah. And it's the opposite of the Sami Zayn effect with Bailey, because all the time that Sami had the belt, the very short period of time that Sami had the belt, you were so I was sure that he was going to lose it at any term that he had because he, you're so often seeing him lose matches. Bailey, you didn't see lose ever. Yeah, Bailey was super protected. Bailey would be, Bailey would win against seemingly insurmountable odds. She beat Sasha in that Iron Woman match. She beat Sasha for the belt in general in Brooklyn, which nobody thought anybody was going to be able to beat Sasha. Mm-hmm. I wanted Bailey to win, but I didn't think she was definitely going to. Mm-hmm. There's an air of unpredictability to the women's division in NXT that doesn't necessarily exist so much on the main roster, and that's that big dispute that we talked about earlier. But I legitimately went back and forth. That was the only match at TakeOver Dallas that I was completely unsure who was going to win. Yeah. And I I was talking shit to my buddy Ryan, who's a big Bailey fan. It's his favorite women's wrestler. (laughs) And I was just like, dude, she's going to get spin-kicked right in the jaw. It's like like Asuka's taking that belt because I'm a big Asuka fan. Oh, she's um, awesome. Oh, she's amazing. But um, even I didn't expect what I got. And I think that's the main reason why it's – that's my favorite to be match of the year right so now. So to date in 2016, that's high praise. Yeah, and today in tw- yeah to date in 2016, Oscar versus Bailey is my favorite match. That's I'm I'm kind of glad that you went with not like a super obvious choice that everybody else is picking. Um, oh, I have a couple of those on the other yeah. <laughs> on the, on the lists though. I mean Nakamura versus Zayn goes without saying. Of course, that's going to be on there, and I I don't need to say any more about that fight forever mm-hmm. says enough uh rain styles won at payback uh the money in the bank ladder match itself mm-hmm. at this year's money in the bank just a couple of weeks ago was a car crash <laughs> and it was the most beautiful car crash you could possibly <laughs> ask for the spots were great the usage of each of the guys in the match they each looked good in their own way the winner made sense uh i legitimately didn't think that it was going to be clear cut. I thought that maybe Owens was going to win it because his character is so perfect to have that kind of power in his hands to be that predator. That's always just waiting. He has that very edge ultimate opportunist type (laughs) edge to him. It's a Canadian thing. I think it's Canadian thing. Yeah. They're, they're really happy to your face, but then they're just right to the back. (laughs) But, um, and then the right guy, in my opinion, won. In Ambrose, I didn't expect him to cash in as quick as he did. I don't mind that he did because I freaked out yeah. when he came out. As soon as Rollins won the belt, I was shocked. But as soon as he won it, I knew that Ambrose was coming out <laughs> because there's no way that they were just going to have Reigns just lose it yeah. like that. So I was literally just sitting on the edge of my couch. I was just like, here comes Ambrose. It's like, See, I was so come. busy reveling in thinking like Seth is not going to win this match. And then he won and I was like. They let him do what he said he was going to do. He's been gone. He said, I'm coming back. I'm taking the title I never lost. And uh-huh. he did it. I was reveling in that. And then he came down, and yeah, I was like, I totally forgot. 
Yep. Already <laughs> forget about it because yeah. it's just like, holy shit, Reigns lost the belt. Nobody yeah. saw that coming. And then Rollins, he reclaimed. He took back his belt. He did the third thing that he said mm-hmm. he was going to do on his shirt <laughs> Yeah. for like weeks. He said yeah, he was going to do that. He Nobody made quick work of those three words. <laughs> made very quick work of it. And then uh, the last one is Rollins versus Reigns, actually, at Money in the Bank. That was a really good match. I loved that I match. thought that was a fantastic match. Those two worked so well with each other. They did a lot of spots because Rollins worked very similar to AJ mm-hmm. with his in-ring style. But style, but uh, Rollins seems to have more of a strength aspect to him in the ring. Like, Styles is strong, but he relies more on his aerial tactics. Mm-hmm. Rollins legitimately, I think, could get into an actual, like, arm wrestling contest <laughs> with Reigns. Just, yeah. like, go after him. <laughs> Styles needs to evade him a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I thought Cena versus Styles was really good, too. I just thought that the pacing hurt it a lot. I felt like it was really slow for way too long. See, now, this is one of the things. It, it, it was slow. But I thought that they were at least telling the story of AJ saying, I, I'd run circles around you. Like, in that uh-huh. ring, that's my house. I'd run circles around you. And I liked that it was slow. It wasn't this action-packed first, you know, five to ten minutes of the match. But it was telling the story of AJ kind of getting over, having an answer for everything Cena right. did. Everything Cena does, uh, I, I'll just outsmart you. I'll outwork you. And I'll get to the spot I want to. Right. Um, so I appreciated that part of it, but you're right. Just from a clear, purely, just watching a match, it was not it was not action packed or anything like that. It wasn't any impressive maneuvers. And and it's it's not that I need something like this. Isn't that I'll buy into the whole oh well the millennials they need their instant <laughs> gratification. That's not this at all. Mm-hmm. This is just me having watched possibly too much wrestling. Watch watching this match hearing it being hyped up as a dream match, hearing this pay-per-view being hyped up as the greatest version of this pay-per-view ever, and having it not live up to my expectations. So the bar was just set this high off the screen. Well, because they set it that high, though. That's That's the thing that sucked about it, because they set it so high to a degree where nothing could have really lived up to it. Yeah, They called it a dream match, but... The Cardinal Sin is calling something a dream match. You let your fans decide whether it's a dream match or not. Yeah. Sure, it's a re- sure it's a really great match between two guys that were at one point or another. Cena still is. AJ obviously is with WWE now. The guy for their respective companies, company that shall not be named TNA <laughs> and WWE for Cena. It is a dream match for some people. For me, it wasn't really a dream match. I just thought it was going to be a really good match. Cena's been doing some of the best work of his entire career over the past two or three years, and Styles is arguably the best professional wrestler on the planet. Right. Yeah. And I, I just I just thought that it was a little slow. And I, yeah, I'm not going to disagree that it, it, it took a while to build up. And you're right. Like, the ex, the thing with expectations is, you know, sometimes when you set them so high there's no way you can reach them. And sometimes when they're low, maybe a, a lesser quality match or show will seem better because we didn't expect it to be that good in the first place. Exactly. Like kind of how WrestleMania 31 was. The, the tug of war for the belt on the go-home Raw, and everybody was like, oh, this WrestleMania is going to suck. And then Rollins cashes in at the end, and everybody's like, oh, that WrestleMania was incredible. Yep. 
So, and, and it sucks just because it totally flipped the script for 32. Because going into 32, they had me, hook, line, and sinker, thinking that that show was going to be the shit. Yeah. Like, that show was going to be so good because every match looked like it was going to be good on the main ro- on the main card. And then, okay, you have the Money in the Bank ladder match that ended up, or that was money. That wasn't Money in the Bank, was it? Which one? The uh, six-man ladder match. No. That was for the IC title. Yeah. That's what it was for the IC title. And Zack Ryder won. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> which, which already <laughs> seems like a distant memory that yeah. never existed. Mm-hmm. But uh, as they would like it to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you start off hot. That was a great match. And then Jericho beats Styles, which was weird. Yeah, head and I, and, I, and I didn't like that very much at all. You have a bunch of other stuff that, honestly, this is how forgettable that WrestleMania already has become to me. And then some way or another, you end up with Rock with a flamethrower lighting his name on fire on the stage <laughs> and, th- and then beating Eric Rowan in two seconds yeah. and just shitting on the Wyatt family in front of all very, of those people at WrestleMania. Yeah, very self-indulgent, that whole very thing. We- very weird. <laughs> you have the weird hodgepodge pairing of... Michaels, Austin, and Foley coming down to the ring to beat up whoever was in the League of Nations yeah. was there. And then they lay out the New Day, too, because, you know, we got to make sure that the guys that are in their 40s look better <laughs> than the current guys. Yeah, make them look strong. <laughs> Keep them strong. Keep yeah. them looking strong. <laughs> and then I can't believe, like, Jonathan Coachman, and that's a name to bring up. Yeah. Coach, for all the good that he's done with bringing in WWE and wrestling in general to the mainstream even more with ESPN and everything. I can't believe that the dude is actually on record saying that the wrong match headlined WrestleMania 32. This dude said that Taker versus Shane should have closed the show. That would have been so deflating because literally if that happens and you still had Taker win, what's the point? Yeah. If because literally you had it was the ultimate blue balls. Yeah. <laughs> as, far, as far as like, uh, oh, wow, we're going to do this type of thing. It was OK. He's the agent of change. We're going to change stuff. Granted, yeah. they're doing it anyway. But literally, it rendered that entire storyline, what little storyline it was and the match, what little match it was other than a big spot useless. <laughs> when Vince came out the next night on Raw and said, well, I'm just going to put you in charge anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then he just walked away. Sorry, pal. Sorry, pal. I knew you wanted to just jump off that big, tall metal brick. So I figured, whatever, we'll just let you do it. Yeah, that, that <laughs> was walked. one of the. Yeah, I, that you're right. That would have been an awful end to the show. You build it up all the way till the end, just to have that be the finish that the Undertaker yeah, was anyway. But at least the streaks intact. Wait, never mind. <laughs> Yeah, there's not even that to fall back on. Yeah, there's no fallback. There's no, oh, I feel better about this now type of thing. It's like, no, you know Brock beat him back at 30. Mm-hmm. Whether you like it or whether you hate it, it's a fact. The streak yeah. doesn't exist anymore. And I'll be honest with you. I mean, I'm not one for hot takes. But, I mean, the only hot take that I'll give people for wrestling nowadays is I don't care about The Undertaker anymore. No. He's on my he's, – he's on my – your Mount Rushmore, uh, number two. Mount Rush- <laughs> Mount Rushmore, and I have respect for what he did for the business and everything, but at this point, I really don't care when he comes back. 
he doesn't give that same gravitas that he did when the streak existed. He doesn't come across as invulnerable anymore. Yeah. He's not the untouchable dead man. He's that guy that Brock Lesnar manhandled and still got beat <laughs> by so, Brock Lesnar. He came yeah. after him for Benjamin. <laughs> yeah. To take it full circle, <laughs> would you say that he now is the nostalgia act that you're representing on your T-shirt? Yes. So that's all I would, he, I would, he's been relegated to that. I would say that The Undertaker, I mean, clearly he has exactly one better working hip than <laughs> Hulk Hogan does and a better PR record, to my knowledge. Much better. So, I mean, Taker can still work. He needs some people to help him when he gets in the ring now. He's not commanding grandstanding incredible matches that no one will ever forget type thing anymore this isn't the same guy that put on 25 and 26 with michaels that guy very quickly deteriorated into wrestlemania 30 looking very old getting concussed then getting beat by lesnar type (laughs) rock type undertaker and it's unfortunate but he is he's a nostalgia act that gets brought back and paraded around basically to sell more tickets to the premier event of the year wrestlemania and he is they call him the heartbeat of wrestlemania (laughs) wrestlemania is his show apparently even though he wasn't on the first wrestlemania (laughs) or or the second or the third or the second or or the the fourth fourth. (laughs) yes it's it's undertaker's show even though he waited until like the sixth or seventh edition of it to actually show up yeah but he has that respect within wrestling and within the community of fans and stuff. When I say that I don't care that he comes back, obviously I'm not saying that I don't respect Taker. I'm just saying it doesn't have the same appeal anymore because there's literally no reason for him to be back. Yeah, one of the guys on our show, Eric, um, feels the same way. He said he hoped that this WrestleMania that just passed would be his last one, and he said he hoped that the one before that would have been his last one. He just thinks it's it's time. Um, the last question I'll ask... Before. Now we're sure about it this time. This yes. is the last question. I thought okay. I thought about it while we we're. I, I said, "Here's what happened." I'll explain my thought process. Because I think I think we're giving these fans of your podcast uh-huh. a real treat to sit down <laughs> and listen to two hours and ten minutes of wrestling talk. Exactly. <laughs> so I thought of this while I was talking about the Undertaker not being on WrestleMania one or two or three. It made me think of LeBron James saying they weren't going to win just one championship or two or three. We gave a shout-out to LeBron James on our show two weeks ago for winning uh-huh. his first championship in Cleveland, his third overall. Uh-huh. Gave a shout-out to him wearing an Undertaker T-shirt at one press conference, the Ultimate Warrior yep. T-shirt at the parade. We know uh, LeBron James is a big wrestling fan. Jim Ross has talked about it on his podcast. Mm-hmm. We gave LeBron I'm interested an, to see where we're going here. We've given LeBron an open invitation, an open platform on the Matt Madness podcast if he ever wishes to discuss wrestling, get away well, from he's basketball. An avid listener, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure he is. Get away from basketball. Get away from the MJ comparisons. Get away from the haters. Couple haters. He's got a couple of them out there. Do you think LeBron James should give us a shot and, and sit down and talk some wrestling on Matt Madness? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you have some gold behind you right there. Uh, from what I've been seeing in the media and from what I've been seeing in pictures, he's bringing his gold all around with yeah. him. So, I mean, he could just add that to that whole collection that you got back there, sit down and talk a little wrestling. Exactly. I don't see I don't see any reason why he can't come by. All right. So, King James. I mean, what's he doing for the next couple months? Just relaxing. That's why I was hoping he'd want to do it. Get his mind off things. Yeah, man. Parade's over. 
He's not going to be in the Olympics this year. He already said he needs some time off. What better way to spend your time off than talking wrestling for a little bit? I agree. All right. Well, Derek, this is some kind of grassroots it, campaign to get this is, this King is the James start. on it. Yeah, this is the start of the grassroots campaign. We'll see how okay. it goes. And if King James is here, if you want to take part in the show, you're more than welcome. I appreciate well, I'm glad you. That you came to me because of my immense pull in the NBA community. Well, that's why you're the you're the you're the best in the world from from what I know. So that's why I uh, I, I went to you. <laughs> at what I'm not sure yet. Yeah, but, but yeah, maybe maybe you're the best in the world at getting LeBron James on the podcast. We'll see. Hopefully, that's what it is. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> well, Derek, <laughs> it was a pleasure and an honor to have you as the first guest on Matt Madness Unsanctioned. I appreciate you taking the time. We had a little bit of a uh, technical glitch. I appreciate you hanging around through that. And I look forward. Oh, yeah, I forgot. That didn't happen. Yeah, no, we edited it over there, right? You're right. We did. (laughs) Breaking kayfabe. Yeah, (laughs) breaking the fourth wall. (laughs) That never happened. How you doing, Cole Cabana? (laughs) I was hoping you would say that. Not everybody would pick up on that. Um, But I appreciate your time. I appreciate you being on. I look forward to having you on again. So thank everybody for listening to Matt Madness Unsanctioned. Derek McCauley, thank you for your time, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Any last words? No, likewise, man. It's an honor to be your first guest on the podcast, and I look forward to joining you guys on an actual full-fledged episode of Matt Madness. Hopefully within the month we'll figure out, like I said, it's the first go-round with the software we're using, so hopefully we can actually have in-show guests within the next month. So we will be keeping you posted on that. All right, and also, I mean, I'll just plug my social media really quick Go for because it. I know, I know that you have your fan base yeah. and everything. Anybody who wants to read those wrestling pay-per-view reviews, that spectacular pay-per-view Ron, reviews. Ron's Ron talked so highly of <laughs> earlier on there. You can just look me up, Derek D E R E K Macaulay M C C A U L E Y on Facebook. If you add me, just send me a message to say, Hey, you heard from the Matt madness podcast that, you do good wrestling reviews and talk about wrestling and stuff. I'll add you instantaneously. No big deal. And you can join in on the fun. And my Twitter handle is Derek Zoolander. Derek so you Zoolander can follow me on is, Twitter on there. Now, are, is it zeros or O's? It's zeros. Okay. So it's the same thing then. Yes. All right. So Derek Zoolander, no numbers, just Derek Zoolander. Just Derek Zoolander. With two zeros for the two O's. Yes, sir. All right. So everybody look up Derek McCauley on Facebook Look up Derek Zoolander on Twitter. You will not regret it. And, Derek, we will talk again soon. All right. Have a good one, man. You too. Thank you.